What's happening, you fat bastards? This is Mike. And this is Jim. And you're listening to Podcast Croissant. Croissant. Pod. Cross Croissant. P-O-D-C-A-S-T-R-O-I-S-S-A-N-T. Pod. Cross Croissant. Pod. Cross Croissant. P-O-D-C-A-S-T. C O I S S N A N T Mr. John and Mike Mr. John and Mike Mr. John and Mike G Very good. I tried to Very get good. the kids at school to sing that. However, due to the smutty and disrespectful nature of this podcast, it didn't quite happen. Mm, good move. I do. Props for the best. Mate. Oh, he's back on the titties. Oh, shit, no. We're changing it up. Night time for yeah, me. Yeah, 7 a.m. in the morning in 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 Marrickville, and he's back on the titties. Uh... We're out of lockdown. We got out of lockdown yesterday. Hey! Yeah. Well, yeah. This podcast changes lives. Mm. It brings people together. It gives hope. It solves global issues. It saves endangered species. It stops climate warming. It's achieved world peace. We are the Bill and Ted of the podcast domain. Excellent. Yeah, so what's happening in Marrickville, home of that to David Wenham, whose notable performances include Faramir in Lord of the Rings trilogy <laughs> and the narrator of in Jack Snyder's historical action film 300. Tonight, we dine in hell! Are those pesky koalas still raiding your bins? Why Why are you saying a lot of these things today? I mean, Because I've had time to prepare. I mean, I do I do live in Marrickville, but the, 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 all, those acc- all those accolades that we're like the Bill and Ted, I mean, that's, well, I like it. I like it. Mm. Um, well, we're out of lockdown. Um, so I got, yep. the pubs opened yesterday, so I went to the pub last night. That was nice. Mm. Um, still working from home, so that makes me happy. Um, not much else. What's happening with you? That it? In the suburb, the, the suburb you live I in. I DJ'd. <laughs> you don't even know where we live, do you? <laughs> God, yeah. I went into all that, that effort <laughs> to prepare that Marrickville monologue, and you just done nothing. Uh, I DJ'd the other night in front of like a thousand students for the first time in quite a few years. How was that? Uh, it was all going great until I jumped off the decks, pulled a muscle in my leg and did me back in. So you've got all these like a thousand students looking up to the stage thinking this guy's super cool for playing all this indie music and I'm mobbling around like uh, like that guy out of 300, you know, that crippled guy out of 300. It was a long time ago that I saw that. Did you did you injure yourself yeah. in front of people? Like, did they see? Yes, yeah, I pulled a muscle. I, saw, I, I hit the and floor they... and just crumpled in a little ball <laughs> behind the DJ decks. And so they must have seen me jump down <laughs> and then just disappear and then like sit on the floor for like, Five minutes and then get up again with a smile on my face and say, I'm, I'm okay. Oh, that's my biggest fear. Was that in the movie Rockstar? Was it Mark Wahlberg? Was it Mark Wahlberg? Shit. My knowledge isn't that strong in this stuff. Was it the movie Rockstar where he he takes over as the singer of this band? He was always the, he sang in cover band. You remember the movie Rockstar? No. Yeah. First time no, he ever that. goes out on stage and he like just trips down the stairs and... Nope. Sorry. I haven't seen that. You'd like it because it's music It's not the... Uh, called Rockstar, The Life and Times of the Band Ape BC, is it? Mm, no. No. Oh, that's my band. <laughs> is it? Is it really? <laughs> uh, well, I got into conversation with one of my 
uh, my many, many friends about uh, previous girlfriends and et cetera the other night. Oh God, where's we this We were talking going? about the last person I'd slept with before my wife. Uh, me right. and my wife have been together for like 15 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've, I've, you know, as we may have discussed in the past, I've been married a couple of times. But back in my youth, I was a bit of a Casanova being the lead singer and DJ and all that lot, uh, allowed to live up to the rock and roll lifestyle. And yeah, you know, I had to spread the seed. But at this point in time that I'm talking about now, just before I met my current wife, Lauren, um, I just split up with someone and I thought, right, I can just jump back in the saddle and become that like sex fiend once again. Sure. Yep. So, so the final fling I had before I met my wife was a one night stand with a girl who'd been flirting with me all night at a gig. Uh, at the end of the night, we went back to hers, and without hesitation, I'm in a bed waiting for all the sex. Anyway, she disappears and she reappears with this fucking twelve inch dildo in her hand, <laughs> and I'm thinking, what the fuck is she planning on doing with that? Uh, I'm, a, I'm really worried, but I'm not ashamed to say, a little bit curious. <laughs> Anyway, she climbs on the bed and she smacks me around the face with the thing, with all the fucking might. It nearly knocks me off the bed on the floor. And then she puts one round round my throat and proceeded to beat me with this massive rubber cock while slapping me and punching me and biting me and pulling me hair. Anyway, after that night, I was like, Jesus Christ, I couldn't, I couldn't open my left eye for like two days. Next day, my mum asked me if I'd been mugged. Uh, first time I cried during sex in my life. So they were a, a ejaculation and a few tribulations. Be aggressive is the theme of EPISOTE30. That almost worked. Send an email to our Gmail and follow and follow and follow our social podcast. Now open for spiritual awakening. Welcome to the Faith No More Institute of the Theological. Spend your Sunday mornings on your knees with a like-minded congregation contemplating our Lord and Saviour, Billy God. Also, we have some nice jumble sales, christenings, charity coffee mornings, baptisms, cake bakes and blowjobs. Come, come all, come now, please come. Jesus wants to make you come. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. So, last episode, we had to address the news about Patton and it was tough. We tried to record it together, the, the the little intro bit we did, and we struggled a bit relaying our feelings. So we had to script it. Yeah. Yeah. So it was still a bit fresh, to be honest with you. It affected me. The news about Patton affected me a lot. Me too, man. Yeah. 
and I've been there. We don't know where Mike Patton is, but I've been in that kind of ballpark area mm-hmm. and it struck a bit of a chord. Um, I sent emails to people in and around the band and asked them to wish Mike my best. Then, do you know what I did? I retracted the emails. I mean, Mike doesn't want some total stranger he's spoken to for like five minutes in his life sending him inadvert commas love. He needs privacy and he needs help from those close to him. Mm-hmm. So instead, you know, I just sent my well wishes to, to Bill and the crew. Hang in there. We can't wait to see you when you're ready. Yep. And Ipecac said that Mike would not be reading the well wishes. And I totally get that. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I've had dark periods in my life and Patton and Faith No More's music has got me through that. And I thank them for that. But right now, me talking about them is not, uh, talking about that is not going to help anyone. Uh, big love to the band, big love, but let's just not get involved. Let's just let Patton get the help he needs. Yeah, and, you know, like when we scripted it, I made that comment about mental health being fickle and I also said that we won't be speculating. And I think it's so it's so tempting for – I mean, I've, I've had conversations with friends and I'm, I'm, we're certainly not privy to any extra information as to what's been shared in the um, the official statements. But, um, you know, it's so tempting to want to speculate and wonder, you know, and – I think the thing that really sat with me is the fact that Patton has always been such a private person, you know, like he's, um, he's quite, mm. he's quite stoic in that regard. Yep. And he's got a, he's, if anything, he's got a real sarcasm about himself and to just, uh, you know, outrightly state what it is that's going on like that, you know, it was, um, it was amazing to see that vulnerability, you know, and, um, I guess the, there is that temptation to speculate as to what could be going on for him, but we just, you know, we don't know. And I guess there's also that side of it that he's always been so private, you know, like it's actually, Mm. there's really no insight. Um, But I I really dig your sentiment that, you know, all we can do is just sand the, send, not sand. What are we going to do? Send them sand? You can't send, or you you could could sand them down, make it smooth. We could sand the band, but send... Send the band. Uh, I can't help myself. Hey! Yes? You know, last episode, when we did that hilarious false start, when we were pretending that we were off our heads on heroin. That's, yeah, yes, Jesus. Um, you sounded like um, the guy from Reservoir Dogs, the radio guy. This is Kay Billy, Super Sounds of the 70s. You know what I mean? I've seen it once and I don't know what you're referring uh, to. Uh, all right, I'll do another one then. Hey! Uh, so some housekeeping from last episode. I checked out Booker's band, the Baldies, whatever what we're called, Bald, I'm Bald, summer. The what? Booker's Booker's band. You, do you even listen oh, back dude, to last episode? The dude that wrote to yeah, us. Yeah, the dude. Yeah, checked out. They were good. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, nice one, Booker's. Decent. Yep, yep, yep. Do we want to mention the band name again? Yeah, the Baldies, Baldy the Bald Boys. Right. I'm going to look up the band name while you keep going. <laughs> We were also talking about that um, Spawn soundtrack and I sillyly forgot that the, the song that I love, that I absolutely fucking adore, is called Trip Like I Do by Filter mm-hmm. and Crystal Method. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, what a tune. What a tune. What are you going on about Crystal Method, though? You just forgot to mention that it was Filter. Yeah, 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 I did. Yeah, I forgot to mention that, yeah. Mm. Um, I wasn't going about crystal meth. I was going on about crystal method. Method, crystal method, that's what yeah, I yes. Did method, I not say that? Method, did yeah. Did I say yep, meth? Yep, yep. No, I don't know. Fuck. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I've also got a plea from my wife to yourself, Mike, oh. to stop swearing. 
She says that you drop the F bomb far too much. And she says she can't listen when she's uh, with the kids in the car. Oh, oh, pup. So um, she, she's a, a request is that we uh, either cut down the swearing or beep it out in future episodes. Well, you know what's just come to me now is, do you remember years ago, the Ipecac um, bulletin board? And they used to have the, uh, they used to censor the language on there. And um, I'm mm. sure Andy Couch could fill us in on this, but the, yeah, if, if someone dropped an F-bomb, it would change, mm. it would change the word to fruise. Oh, so if you said like effin', that. it said frozen. you know, so maybe drop a, f- a few mother frozen F-bombs in that regard. Okay. Yeah. And that's all my housekeeping anyway. Have you got any? Um, well, I, I, housekeeping! I wanted to quickly flag that we got an email from Alex April and it says, please excuse my English. My first language is French. And I just wanted to say, because I meant to say it at the time, that Alex's uh, English is far better than my French. So, you know, I, I see that every now and again. People apologize for their, for their English. I'm like, nah, nah, it's great. Nah. Respect. Respect. respect, you know, so. respect because my English is the f- English. Yeah, it couldn't be much English. Worse. My English <laughs> is my first language, <laughs> and yeah, you, most of you are better than me at it. Yeah, but it, you know, like any anyone international out there, that you know, English isn't their first. I language. thought my French was pretty good last episode, though. It was actually there were a few, um, few good. Little, There's been some comments on it. Yeah, some some of your accents last episode were were fantastic. Well, let's hope that that within the emails today that the people are asking for me to do other accents. Have you read ahead? There are a lot more I can do. Have you read ahead? No, I haven't even looked at the emails yet. All right. Maybe we should look at them now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What a great segue. No, I'm not not ready yet. And then um, I mentioned... You just ruined a great segue. I know, uh, but you, you do that. You do segues when it's not time yet. Last episode, we also, I was talking about harmonics. And I got really stupidly confused over the songs Black and Jeremy and felt like a bit of a twit. And uh, You came in, off as a bit of a twit, yeah, to be frozen, honest. Yeah, a frozen twit. And yep. in Black, uh, I said that, it plays two harmonics at the beginning, but it's only one harmonic. And I just felt really, really embarrassed about that, that I said. Well, I, I would have thought harmonics. you should, because I think the bit that you were talking about was was the bass, wasn't it? Ba-boom. That's right. And I thought it went doo-doo, boom, like that. So there's two, but it's actually just the one harmonic that goes doo-boom, boom, like that. Yep. Yeah. So it was another one. So, you know, I wanted to correct myself there. Uh, you highlighted... You highlighted about the weird notes that Faith No More like to do and the the mm-hmm. note that Patton sings in kindergarten. And we just skimmed over that like it was nobody's mm-hmm. business. And I just kind of agreed with you, but it it I, it gave me pause, Jim. It gave me pause. And I, I went over to <laughs> my... Why are you now a cat? <laughs> 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 so... I went over to my instrument without my opposable or a thumbs koala. and just fumbled my paws over my uh, my guitar. <laughs> and uh, you're right. You're right. It is yeah. an odd note. And so I've had to yeah. uh, create a, a little after. God, if it weren't for me, this podcast would turn to shit. Mm-hmm. It's me coming up with all the classic content and, and knowledge and you just skim over it all. Me and my big dumb paws. So, uh, yeah, I've gone back and inserted a little addendum to the last episode. Oh, have you? Hmm. 
a kinderdendum. <laughs> kinderdendum. Yeah, so if you go back to episode uh, 30, kindergarten at one hour and 47 minutes, that's where you'll find it. Also, folks, you have to go listen back to previous episode now because I've not heard this. I've got, uh, and, and, and just one, one final thing. I mentioned uh, in, oh God, where did I say? During the guitar solo, I mentioned Jim's guitar tone and that in the Angel Dust sessions, he was using a particular pedal. And I said the Boss BR8. Mm. Mm. The Boss BR8 is a recording device, Jim. You don't use, you don't play oh, guitar effects oh, through it. I just hap- haphazardly... Throwing around these 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 letters and numerals, it's not the BR8. It would have been either the GT5 or the GT8 for those. I would have said GT5. Okay, yeah. well, let's run with yeah. that. Okay, yeah. good, good, good. Yeah, okay. Oh, I've got something to add as well. I'd just like to say big up that man, Mister John, because his um, contributions to last episode were outstanding. Stella, I always like to save uh, his. Part until we go live, just you know, because I've me heard all, me and you rant, ranting and talking shit. Uh, I like to like save Mister John's for a little surprise, yeah. and I was actually pissing myself laughing in the car, <laughs> whilst of course censoring it. I thought the guest appearance of Mister John's nephew was it? <laughs> yeah. Yep, was 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 classic, class classic Mister John, classic uh, podcast croissant. If you haven't listened to episode 30 30 of podcast croissant all about kindergarten go back go back and listen because it was a it was a belter it was well you know and it's funny you say that because it seems that not everyone is a fan of mr john it's your emails it's your emails it's your emails so the first email we've received is from Sue Denham, and Sue Denham has sent us a voice memo. Uh, we love to Sue Denham from Brigardoon. We do love to receive a good voice memo, and you can send your voice memos to podcastcroissant at gmail dot com. What's uh, especially special uh, about this? Was it well? If you recall, it it is very specially special. It's especially special from email. Special sound from special Sue. I actually had to move on from that because it's not especially special. But the it's not you know, especially you might special. Especially, especially remember that we had Mr. John read Sue's uh, email the last time she wrote. And uh seems that in you mentioning Mr. John and his stellar work that uh, not everyone's a fan, it would seem. Hey, y'all. So I liked how you gave me a voice like Stephen Fry on Helium, but this is the real Sue checking in here rather than writing you long letters. Love the show, except for Mr. John. Uh, I'm not sure he what has everything worked out yet bless his heart uh but anyways just get some real commercials you could do something with VirtuCon, the bluff company momcore i don't know hit him up i really enjoyed the episode everything's ruined it's a great song, good piano, but it's not as good as something like Edge of the World, though. I'm a sucker for Mike Patton's method acting and Roddy tinkling the ivories. Oh, do an episode on that. Faith No More is a hostile cabaret act in a steak restaurant 
in Vegas. It's their alternative timeline. Anyway, this is just a quick verbal stab from me, your loyal listener, best critic. I'm fixing to go do something else now. Uh, Later, y'all. Do you think, do you think Mr. John's an acquired taste or do you think the, the absurdist humor, it's sort of very British, the very British black dark humor. Oh yeah. It's Monty Python's in it. It it falls a bit short. It's, it's, it falls a bit short with the, the, the US crowd. Yeah. But what do they find funny? Like Joan Rivers. Hey, we've got Joan Rivers and... Jerry Seinfeld and Bill Cosby. <laughs> We've got Monty Pythons and Vic and Bob. Oh, you know, and I was watching a clip today. You, Morecambe and Wise. You'll know this. Little and large. This, this guy. Um, oh, he played Dan- <laughs> Cannon and Ball. Was it Denim in uh, IT Crowd? The original, the, the, first, the first two seasons of IT Crowd. Richard Ad- Ad- Adiosi. Not Toast from London guy, the original guy, because it changed out on the third season. Hey! <laughs> yes? Uh, n- next email from a new listener. Chris Morris. Chris Morris, he plays Denim Renum in IT Crowd. Chris Morris, he's fucking amazing. He's frozen amazing. Hey! Yep. Next email. Mm-hmm. New listener from Lansimaki Laura. Laura. I'm just going to say Laura. Okay. Okay. Hello, Jim and Mike. (laughs) Thank you for an amazing podcast. I've just found it recently. I started listening from the Malpractice episode, which was a good episode, so it's a good place to start. And a lot of the jokes and stuff went a bit over my head. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, normal. actually, they were, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jokes. <laughs> and then went back to episode one and binge listened, if that's a thing, the whole podcast in about three weeks. Wow. Jesus, she must have just been sat in a chair for three weeks constantly to fit all those in. Oh, I can't imagine. My first touch with (laughs) F&M was back in around 1990 when I saw my cousin wearing a You Fat Bastards t-shirt he had bought at their show in Lepaco, Lepaco, Helsinki, Finland. My first thought was, ew, what's up with those guys? And I was only eight years old and a huge New Kids on the Block fan at the time. Do you remember New Kids on the Block? Yeah. Yeah, Faith No More. Oh, 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 the right stuff, we care a lot. Anyway. I had the, I had the album as a kid. Yeah, I had the cassette. That doesn't surprise me. One iota <clears throat> a few years later i started I'll to notice easy you that was um, yeah continue a few years later i started you've, you've lost me train of thread oh, now i was doing so well what a tune a few years later i started to notice easy playing in the radio here in finland and by 1995, seeing videos of Digging the Grave and Evidence had me borrowing the King for a Day Fool for a Lifetime cassette from the library. And it made me a fan. I even made 
my whole school listened to evidence by making it the intro of a play I was in. Excellent. Nice work. Uh, I loved Album of the Year too, and I was gutted to hear the news about the band breaking up, especially because I hadn't had the chance to see them live. So you can imagine how happy I was when the reunion was announced, and I went to see all three of their Finnish shows in 2009 to 2010. I also tried to find a way to get to their show in Provinci, but it wasn't possible with the two-week with a two-week-old baby. Ah, she was born on the day of the BBC sessions. Yay! Well, I hope you I hope you called a maid of ale then. Good name. Mm. I can't wait for the FNM shows in September. Are we allowed to do that? Are we still allowed to do that? Yeah. Not that I'm going. <laughs> All right, fair <laughs> enough. But but for the possible uh, new videos on YouTube. Really looking forward to hearing your next episode. Keep up the good work. Laura Lanismaki. Good luck pronouncing that. I did pronounce Lance it. I pronounced it perfectly. Lance Lancey Monkey. Little Lancey Monkey. Little Lara Lancey Monkey. Not a boys club anymore. Look at this. Look at us go. Sue. Lance Maki. Mm-hmm. Laura. And then we've got, we've got Natalie. Little note from Natalie. I, I, I did pre-read before and I spotted this one. Um, Natalie Delsa wrote, uh, Dear boys... Sending out positive thoughts and wishes about the terrible news today. I know that this news will be terrifying for many fans. Mike Patton is in our thoughts. We just need to stay together as a community. Natalie, which perfectly said. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Natalie. Yeah. Mike Brown. Mike Brown, possibly related to Ben Brown. How can you be related to another person who writes in the podcast question? It's kindergarten, hopefully, Mike Brown. Great, go on. <laughs> True, that's his subject, kindergarten, hopefully. Mike Brown writes, Good evening, gents. Long-time listener, first-time caller, big fan, love the concept, blah, blah, blah. You know all the cliches, I'm sure. First time my ears were blessed with the cacophony of sound that is Faith No More was back in 94. I was 14 and my mum and the man of her dreams and... Wait, what? I was 14 and my mum... What? My mom, oh, I'm, I was 14 and my mum <laughs> and the man... What? what? <laughs> I was 14 I knew, and um, the man of my mum's dreams. I knew there was something <laughs> off. I was 14 and my mum met the man of her dreams, and we moved from the big city of Liverpool to a small town called Back Up. Back Up. Back Up. Back Up, son, give me... What's that from? Back Up, son? Oh, that's just Vanilla Ice. Don't don't worry about me quoting Vanilla Ice or anything. Uh, In the dampest part of Lancashire. Do I say Lancashire or Lancashire? Lancashire. Lancashire. No, Lancashire. Lancashire. Yeah. Lancashire. That's it. Armpit of the North, as my brother called it. At that point in my life, I was into stuff like Cream, Clapton for guitar, Queen, 60s-inspired pop, Public Enemy, NWA, Ice Cube, Criss Cross, and Exodus. However, just seven years earlier, the very first album I bought was Sonya's debut. What is it? Scouse Girl. What's Scouse? Scouse Is that someone from Liverpool? Ah. Scouser. Scouse Girl. Okay. Mm -hmm. Red Hair. Uh, Don't Ask and Don't Laugh. He's, He's giving us a little link there. Do I need to drop a little bit of a link of Sonia? Do you know Sonia? Yeah, 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 yeah. Crappy Stock Aitman Waterman. Stock Aitman and Waterman. They were like three record producers in the 80s stroke 90s. They were the people that signed Jason Donovan and Kylie Minogue. And Sonia was another one of their... Especially for you. Yeah, yeah cool. 
Sonia was another one of their uh, trashy pop entries. No need to play it. Future Mike just played a little bit. <laughs> Future Mike. Uh, it was clear that I was in need of some serious musical re-education and a change of frequency. Well, now I can agree because I dropped in that sample. Up steps my saviour, Sharon Edwards. Sharon was the coolest girl in school, intelligent, Looked cool. Love to have you on the show, Sharon. <laughs> intelligent, cool, and a great taste in music. She'd introduced me to bands like Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, Mother Love Bone, and, of course, Nirvana. Soundgarden had released Super Unknown in 94, so Sharon, being the absolute coolest, did me copy on a TDK C90. She wrote the track list as well, took the time and effort into it, missed things like that, time spent crafting things. I love a good mixed mixtape, good old-fashioned proper mm. mixtape. Especially time from spent, a girl. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I yeah. don't know where Sharon, where's Sharon today? I'm, I'm hoping for a little twist at the end of the email. I'll tell you where Sharon is now. She whacks people around their heads with massive dildos. Ah. <laughs> so from 94 to 95, I was a big Faith Amor fan. Then I got lost when King for a Day, Four for a Lifetime came out. It wasn't Angel Dust and it didn't. I didn't like that as I demanded Angel Dust Mark II. Man, I was so frozen, naive and knobby. I lent in to say hi every so often to the albums and when the hiatus came about I was very much like meh I remember loads of bands I was into going on hiatus at around the same time I thought it was me so I delved into dance music particularly trance oh, oh. only about dance mate I don't know I was just trying to add some spice to my reading did it work oh, okay. just don't nope no okay real uh, but the synths just made me pine for something better again real guitars and real drums yeah was that? Was that was a bit spicy there? Was that okay? That was a bit, 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 yeah. bit there, yeah. <laughs> just scrolled down. <laughs> well, I realised how long this email <laughs> I just realised. Uh, uh, then he made his mate John, um, brought me back around to listening to music well, no, You might as well read it all uh, now. Queens of Stone Age because, became because a firm favourite uh, after discovering Kai, so that's, that's awesome. That's, that's really good. We like that. Uh, he made a seed of stick on the car. And stuck some malpractice on there along with, quote-unquote, by Bungle. Um, his love was rekindled. He started listening again. But always the thought that album of the year was the last. I followed Patton's projects and kept an eye as to what the other guys were up to. Uh, he goes on to talk about his departure from uh, Faith No More and going through a whole lot of different loves for music. And then comes back around. I mentioned I didn't like King for a Day Four for a lifetime, but after you guys broke it down the way you did, I realised I had been wrong for twenty five years. It is a mm. it is a ruddy, fantastic album. Keep up the great work, guys. I really enjoy listening and keep recommending it to all Faith No More fans I know. So hopefully they are listening as well. Stay safe and be sound. I like that, Mikey Brown. P.S. Doctor John, what a guy. P.P.S. I am no relation to Jim. <laughs> he says that, but my dad's called Mikey Brown, so it might be me dad. <laughs> hey, Jim's dad. Love to have you on the show. Hey, did you bad? Right, okay, next email uh, from Jed Soroka. Now, when we were reading back Jed Soroka's name last uh, episode, I realised it's actually Jed Soroka. Jed 
Zaroka. Jed is a rocker. Jed's a rocker. rocker. Yeah. Honestly, didn't really expect you to read my email out. Thanks for entertaining my rambling. Love your work as usual. Carry on, mates. Is that it? And then, oh, and then, is that his email? There's some clap emojis there. Hi, Mike and Jim. <laughs> Just about the Black Sabbath riff that Mike mentioned. This is how it was created. Oh, and he's given us a little YouTube video on. Do you mind if I watch this minute long video, Jim? <laughs> You go ahead and watch it. I'll read this email from <laughs> Caitlin Van Horn. Hey there, Caitlin from Simplecast here. You might have noticed a new tab within Simplecast. If you haven't, let me be the first to introduce you to the Marketing Settings tab. Here, you can find tools that will help you market your podcast. The first of which is Audio Go. Audio Go is a censored audio advertising platform that lets you cross-promote your podcast across other shows and audio channels. Finding new fans has never been so simple. Big kisses. Love the podcast team. P.S. Can Jim stop sending me dick pics? <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Oh, who was that? Thanks, Caitlin. Caitlin. Thanks, Caitlin. Oh, we've got another one from Simplecast. Oh, your receipt from Simplecast. You've been buying stuff on, a, on our Simplecast account. I've got monthly expenses to run this freaking thing. That's why I've been saying we should start a Patreon or something. This, this costs me time and money. All right. With the silent team, I a competition was the only entry. Mike and Jim both distinguished for me. Billy Good is the poker daddy. Like my sugar with coffee and cream. Intergalactic planetary. Intergalactic and dissenters. And dissenters with a silent team. Intergalactic and dissenters. And dissenters with a silent team. Intergalactic and dissenters. And dissenters with a silent team. Sent us with a silent T. Subject with a silent T. Hang on, who's am I reading this? Yep, I've just read them. So you're counting that. <laughs> yes, hey, Jim, I'm counting that uh, last email as part of my quarter. You, you can read the very first line of his email. Though. Hey, Jim and Mike. Ah, see what I did there. Yeah, you like that, don't you? You put your name first. Yep, that's the way it should be. First and foremost, thanks for the jingle. It's great. Being a pretty big, be- oh, that's right. We would have just dropped his jingling. Yeah, that's fun. That's great. Yep. Being a pretty big Beastie Boy fan too. It's particularly apt. So, cheers, Jim. Please, could you send me a sound file of it? Oh, I've still got to send um, David Bowl his as well. I don't understand why being a Beastie Boy fan would have um, had anything to do with the uh, completely original piece of music we wrote for Andy. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I mean, possibly they've heard it and they've. Um, gone on to just release a, two two of them they they've they've done it used it they've inspired a jingle for the new um documentary that they put out oh god mike put the tinny down <laughs> if i 
first and foremost, thanks for the jingle. It's great being a producer. Oh, we did that. Please, could you send yeah, me a sound it's file? It's Mike here. It. So you're listening to K Billy Sounds of the Seventies, and uh, this uh, next emails from. Please, could you send me a sound file of it? Because that will be getting shared any and everywhere I can think of. I'm not sure what the next show topic will be after the suggestions you made and the sad news about the tour cancellations, but I'm sure it will be a good one. The cancellations are such a shame. And while I have my fingers crossed for the June dates in the UK, I've got tickets for Birmingham, the most important thing, of course, is Mike's health. If you end up talking about dream set lists, I would be pretty easy to please, having never managed to see them live. Never managed to see them live before. Oh, why? He's got his own fucking podcast croissant jingle and he's never seen the band live. Jesus, Andy Sintas with a silent T. Silent T. However, how cool would it be if they enlisted a local hip-hop group from each city to join them on stage to do Another Body Murdered? That would be. Mm. If you decide... I can't think of anybody from Birmingham, though. Mm. Have you heard much Australian hip-hop? Yes, I really like Skunk Hour. Ooh, obscure. Mm-hmm. And Hilltop Hoods. Hilltop Hoods. Well, that's that's what I was going to say. Like, if you got an Australian... Hang on. Here we go. I'll try my best. Here we go. <clears throat> now I got a murderer, a murder to get away. The eyes got to peer. Now the fool's got to pay. And if they pay, then they pay with their life. So watch another man try to hold on to his life. Cause I keep hooking and hunting, hang on, hang on. Cause I keep looking and hunting just like a lion. Let the sucker know that it's them that be dying. I know, a sh- wait, a show no remorse to the source of the tales. And if they tell, then they're better. I didn't know a lot of these words before. Yeah. Why do all Aussie, Aussies sound exactly the same when they rap? That was my audition tape. I've only heard two Aussie rappers, so. Am I one of them? You heard three now. (laughs) If you decide to continue the Angel Dust series, well, yeah. And you are, because we did say, yeah, okay. If you decide to continue the Angel Dust series and you are discussing Be Aggressive, hey, look, here we are. Hey, we are. I have to say that whilst it's a stunning... Podcast croissant, podcast croissant, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and then D-T. If you decide to continue the Angel Dust series and you are discussing Be Aggressive, I have to say that whilst it is a stunning track, better than most bands could manage, and fits into the flow of Angel Dust brilliantly, it has become my least favourite track on the album. Ooh. I think this is just because other tracks like Smaller and Smaller that were amongst my least favourite tracks in the 90s have continued to reveal more about themselves and grow in my appreciation of them over time, whereas Be Aggressive hasn't. However, maybe your analysis will change that. Anyway. It will. Thanks again for the jingle. This podcast changed lives. Take it easy. It changes opinions. Intergalactic. It changes the world. Antisintus. With a silent It saves endangered species. It changes people's names. It changed. It's made, made you a star, Andy. This this podcast has made you a star. Jingle and everything. With a silent T. Right, cheers, Andy. Thanks, Andy. Oh, Rodrigo writing in again. Fucking hell, why don't we just call it the Rodrigo Show? <laughs> the Creepy Rodrigo Show. Fucking hell. Hang on, what's he, what's he said us here? Oh, 
He's a, he's a creepy little guy, isn't he? <laughs> it just gets creepier and creepier. You know, that sounds reversed. Mm-hmm. That sounds that sounds like it's reversed. Well, that's the the guy the guy in Twin Peaks, who Rodrigo models himself on, <laughs> speaks in reverse. Oh, is that that's right? Probably why he's done it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, savvy. Look at right. Next email from Sam Hamilton. Look at this. Look at this. To Jim and Mike. Jim in caps. Mike Lowe. Oh, all right. Subject subject heading. Samilton. Kindergarten, all things great. From Samilton. Samilton. Hi, Jim and Mike. I hope all is well with you both. Actually, I've not been right well. I'm a bit ill. Thanks for asking, Sam. (laughs) Thanks so much for another cracking episode. I've listened to all your episodes, except the Red Hot Chili Peppers one. Well, you can blame Mike for that. I like them and all that, but, and it's a great album, but meh. Uh, I must say, your episodes recently have been on point. I'm reluctant to write, as I often have nothing to add. It's funny, because I'm listening to your episodes, and something you say makes me think, hmm, I should write in and talk about, then you talk about it. Yeah, I get you. This happened in your last kindergarten episode. When you guys were talking about the auctioneer part, I was thinking, ooh, I should write in and talk about hearing the candy cane. And I'm sure Mike mentions it. And sure enough, Mike mentions it. And sure enough, I know, I'm going to reread it. And sure enough, and sure enough, (laughs) and sure enough, Mike mentions it. I, it always made me think of the protagonist being the older kid, having been held back, selling off candy in the playground. I could see the scene of this very adult world happening in the playground in, kind, in kindergarten. Crazy. One thing I was wondering about was the timeline of Angel Dust being written. Obviously, some written in the studio, malpractice, etc., but some obviously written on the road. Caffeine. Uh, the world is yours and i presume land of sunshine as that has also been stated as being written during the sleep deprivation experiment mm. thoughts mm-hmm. anyway i just want to say keep up the good job always looking to what's coming next also thanks for the message pre episode last week it's a funny old time kind regards samilton um i don't know if land of sunshine was written on the road possible but i think he did the sleep deprivation experiment kind of like in between tours. I think he kind of locked himself in his apartment or whatever and was watching all the uh, the trash TV. Yeah, and the, the preacher dude that does those segments yeah. as well. Stiggy Tilton. Well, if you recall when we did the caffeine episode, I I pointed out that they performed caffeine on the road, but then Patton wrote his lyrics during a, during a sleep deprivation experiment. So what you're saying actually helps tie that together. Like, did he do the sleep deprivation experiment during the touring or, like, mid-touring or something? And then Land of mm-hmm. Sunshine definitely could. So that that fits. That falls into place. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's the end of the, the section of the show we like to call Your Emails. That's all the emails! For this episode, Mike and Jim asked me to talk about blowjobs. 
Now, they must be a cousin of Steve, but I hate iPhones and those jumpers that come up to your neck, yes, I mean kangaroos, and I don't listen to anything they say or do ever, so I'm just going to blah, 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 blah. I really must write something funny in that bit. I'll come back and edit it later. Fact 69! The song Be Aggressive is a firm, throbbing, and fully engorged favourite in Faith No More's sets since its procreation. Its sturdy girth has exposed itself into multiple set lists, where it stands erect and veiny in the climax at many of Fornication No More's orgies with their submissive audience of horse slave gimps. Fact 69! The lyrics to Be Aggressive were written doggy-style by Roddy Bottom and his magnificent organ. His missionary, in his own words, was, I'm totally going to make Patton sing about Willie on Willie docking of the oral variety and offer him some nice cream pie. Roddy's favourite ice cream is... <laughs> Fact 69! Many homophobic people are terrified of this song, and often use expressions like I don't need this rammed down my throat without any sense of irony. Which brings us to the missing verse from this song that the band did not have time for due to V-guitaring and glasses man Jim Martin being bitten by a goldfish. Fortunately for your hairy balls, here it is rolling toward you now glowing in the dark and winking with its one good eye. Now, I'm not going to sing any of this because that's the last thing any of us need, so I'm just going to read these lyrics and hopefully you'll see where they fit into the song Be Aggressive. And here the lyrics come now. <clears throat> Dirty Sanchez, in the trenches, this golden shower is more than a match for me. Do some rimming, let's go swimming, in a pool of jizz up to my hips. Get a strap on, I'll mess your slap on, it's time to paint your sexy drag queen lips. Now we're teabagging, cause we like shagging, I swallow, I swallow, I swallow, etc. And there we go, that's the missing lyrics for Be Aggressive that I just made up. God, I can't wait to do jizz lobber. <laughs> Thanks everyone, that's all from me, the Mr. John and his sticky, guilty hands. And I'll leave you now with this thought. When a man puts his penis into a woman's vagina, it is disgusting. Show topic! Show topic! Show topic! Show topic! O W T O P I C. Topic! So be aggressive is track nine. On Faith No More's Angel Dust. Working title, I Swallow. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Very good. It was uh, released as a double A-side with Easy on December the 29th, 1992. Mm-hmm. Which, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. coupling of those two songs in particular is a bit curious. A curious oh. match. Due to the homoerotic sexual references of Roddy's lyrics and yes. the heterosexual lovesick vibes of Lionel Rich's Song, the Commodore's song. And the music video accompanying that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Be Aggressive, such a well-written song. Uh, It's got great dynamics, great shifts in texture. Love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it. This is definitely a favourite of mine. I think that's why I put it in my top ten. Yes, you you did. Put it in your top ten. Yeah, uh, number three. (laughs) I 
gotta go back and get my list. Uh, it also, uh, you know, I mean, we'll end up talking about it live, but it, it, it's, it dude, live, it slams, shit slams. Mm-hmm. Live. Uh, written mostly by Bill Gould, uh, starting out life as a bass and drum track with Jim Martin adding the solo and Roddy adding the lyrics. It was voted number 11 in the 20 greatest Faith No More songs by Kerrang! Boom. Uh, in 2015, I think. And in the uh, f- now famous Faith No More followers poll, it was number 22 out of 105 <laughs> songs. Which is yeah, double uh, 11. And that was a fifth favourite song from Angel Dust in there. And what were you going to say next? I was going to say that the NME <laughs> magazine described Be Aggressive is the hysterical masterstroke a brilliant scratch funk celebration of cocksucking. You're the master and I'll take it on my knees. <laughs> that has a bunch of school kids rapping out the chorus. Yep, Faith No More in upfront pro-gay sex statement shocker. It's your stupendous song. Makes me want to suck cock. <laughs> or at least get one slapped in the face. <laughs> oh, Yeah, and I like, uh, how much you know for the for the fact that Roddy wrote the lyrics? I like how much it still sits really comfortably amongst mm. the the album and uh, yeah, still the the lyrical structure. It, you know, it, it, yeah, it, it yeah, fits. Definitely. It fits yeah. like mm-hmm. it's still quality quality structure of lyric writing. It's got all the trademark elements we love. It's got rhythm, melody, nonconformity, genre shifting. And with that mm-hmm. faith, no more twist that makes you sit up and pay attention. Yeah. Now, I I was hoping today we could break from our usual structure of talking about the song and we could start with lyrics. Oh. What do you think about that, man? Man, oh, look, I suppose I could do it that way. I've made my notes with talking about the lyrics first, so that's convenient. Oh, no, that's convenient. Oh. Yeah. Did anybody who think we discussed this before and or something? <laughs> what you got? What you got, Timothy? This song was Roddy's coming out. Not the interview he did for The Advocate. This was Roddy telling fans he was homosexual. He chose to use Mike Patton and the music of Faith No More to reveal his sexuality to the people who he wanted to know, the fans. I mean, I mean, I didn't get it at the time. I remember first hearing this song in 1992. I was only 15 and I just thought it was a great tune. I thought it was Faith No More being their usual ambiguous and bizarre selves. But when you look back in hindsight, I think these lyrics were Roddy being honest. I mean, it's, it's, it's a million miles away from Man on Man. Sure, sure. You know, which is blatant um, homosexuality in your face, in the videos, in the Everyone lyrics. celebrated. Yeah, yeah, of course yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. But when you think about it, society was a lot more uptight in the 90s, particularly oh, yeah. within Shit, the yeah. kind of macho rock crowd. And yeah, in my opinion, it's it's Roddy coming out. I think this was his celebration of coming out, but he wasn't telling the world. He was just telling the fans. When was the interview that you were talking about, The Advocate? 1993, I think. So it was soon after, so it was sort of that. But the thing is, Roddy did an interview beforehand with, I think it was Vox magazine, and he basically told the world he was gay in that article, but the article was written in such a way that it kind of just brushed it under the carpet, if you see what I mean. It didn't really Mm -hmm. centre on that. But his actual 
interview talking about his sexuality was in the Advocate magazine in 1993. Mm-hmm. I've got a few quotes. Got a lot of quotes. Oh, hell yeah! Just like maybe you could litter them throughout the episode. Yes, yeah, so I'm sure I can. I'll, oh, I'll, I'll drop I'm one sure in there. You will. What I like about Be Aggressive is that even though it's macho in a homosexual way, lots of Faith and More listeners probably imagine that it's a woman who is getting down on her knees and swelling rather than a man. I guess it's easier for people to understand and deal with it that way. Yeah, look, I, I suppose that was my... Once I sort of started to realise what was going on lyrically, I think that was probably my first take. Like I said, when I was 15, I don't think the lyrics sunk... The, the lyrics sunk in but not the meaning, not the not the reading between the lines at the time. Yeah, um, totally. Another, I'll, I'll drop another quote in here from Roddy. I'll go on, Again, it. from 1992. Did you hear the lyrics on Be Aggressive? What do you think? Pretty fucking extreme, isn't it? Did you think it was a homoerotic song or something? That's what's going to be good about it. I think certain people are going to be really vocal about it. Like, what the hell is that? And others will be so weird out by it, they won't say anything. Which, you know... It points to where I was at the time. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't weird out about it. I just thought, like, what, what the hell is that? Matt, Matt, uh, Matt Wallace commented on his respect for Mike Patton's delivery of these lyrics. He said this in a video, I believe, in 2015. Faith and More were going any direction. They weren't a heavy rock or metal band. They didn't have that element to do what they were doing. But then you go to be aggressive. There's no heavy rock band that I know that would sing that song in a million years because it's a song about being gay. Basically, Patton would boldly go in those directions. Good little interview, that one. I've watched that before. You know, I'd, it, it's just, it's on my mind. I, 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 my recollection of what I thought the lyrics were about was it was just this whole ambiguous journey throughout the song with just this fun cheerleader chant. And then mm. right, right at the very end, even though we're going to talk through the lyrics soon, you know, he specifically just says ejaculation. And then I was just like, ooh, edgy word in a song. <laughs> I'm a kid and he just said ejaculation. <laughs> you know, and I never, still never put it together. And then it was an interview or something where they said, oh, yeah, that, that song's about swallowing, you know, that song's about swallowing comes. So I just went, oh, cool. It's like, it's about giving head. And I still hadn't taken that next step to sort of realising, oh, and it's also a homosexual sort of, mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. a, you could say a homosexual celebration giving head or it's like a, yeah. well, it's got an aggressive assertion to it. I mean, let's, is that a good segue into talking through the lyrics, Jim? Well, do you want to start from the start where he says, I started this at the beginning of the song, start at the middle. Or shall we begin at the end to save some time? Uh, <laughs> mm. I started yeah. this. It's yeah. all for yeah. me. What you're, it's yours is mine, and mine is mine. That's plain to see. So give it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've got to have it. I swallow. I swallow. I swallow. I swallow. We kick in, and there's no real. I don't think there's any. If if it was just that first v- verse, there's no real hint of homosexuality. There's no real hint of the act of fellatio here. Yeah, it could be like a. It could be like a gasping or a gulping. You know, no, I, I swallow. Take a take a nervous little gulp. Yep. The uh, what I like is that that what's yours is mine and mine is mine. You know, because there's, there's there's actually a couple of idioms. You've got the uh, what's what's mine is yours. You know, which mm-hmm. is more like a uh, usually um, a celebration of two two people being together. You know, like I, I give everything to you. Um, where we're united. What's mine is yours, you know? And then there's also the, um, the other one of what's yours is yours and mine is mine, which is 
sort of more like a more like a childish sort of statement that yours are yours and mine and mine. Like, let's just keep things separate, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you've got this what's yours is mine and mine is mine, which is to play on that, which I've, I've always... I like the repetition of the words of just saying yours is mine and mine is mine. Like, it's a good... Gives it a good rhythm as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's a fun... Like, it's a really fun little play on a saying, which, you know, we get a few of those. We get a few... Uh, just, you know, metaphors and idioms in the song, lyrically. Well, let's skip the choruses for now. Yeah. And we'll go on to the second verse. Mm -hmm. What someone else would leave behind and spit it out, let go to waste, I claim as mine. So that's kind of like furthering what has been said in the first verse. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, we're talking about the old... uh, The old... (laughs) Come, 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 comedy, come, 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 here. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. and but the, the the line that I like is "You're my flavor of the week." Me too. See, it's another saying. Yeah, I like that. You're my it's flavor a great of the week. Line. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And you also get that nice little. Even though we'll dissect the song soon, we get we get our backing vocals. So we actually get Patton reinforcing the "my flavor, my flavor." Yes, yes. And then again, let's skip the chorus and let's go to the third verse, which is my favorite verse. So tall and reckless, ugly seed, reach down my throat, you filthy bird, that's all I need. So he's talking about a willy here. Oh, I love it. It's so good. Like, reach down my throat, you filthy bird. Like, it's it's got this nice sense of a double meaning. Yeah, uh, I love it. Yeah, and then yeah. this empty pit, I've got to feed to prove I'm fit, a healthy man I've got to be. Now, did you know that apparently drinking cum is quite healthy? Yeah, I mean, it's quite good for you. It's for nutrition. I'm just- I'm sure male uh, male doctors and scientists have been um, trying to reinforce that one for years. Malnutrition. So obviously, you know, someone's thirsty for this. My submission. So, you know, the, the uh, narrator here is giving in. You're the master and I'll take it on my knees. Yeah, and this starts... Yeah. Yeah. And then ejaculation good. and tribulation. I swallow, I swallow, I swallow, I swallow. So I like that as well, that ejaculation, tribulation. Is it called an onomatopoeia where... Is that right? Is that the right phrase? I don't even know if it's, uh, it's just onomatopoeia is like boom pow, Batman words. Whereas, uh, yeah, uh, oh, what would ejaculation, tribulation? There's, there's probably a few um, really frustrated listeners right now going, it's one of these things. Um, I mean, they're just words that you know, and they marry up obviously with mal, mal, malnutrition and my submission as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're also just rhyming words. I had to Google <laughs> tribulation. Mate, sir, that's what I did, Jim. Yes. Y- yeah, and cool. yeah, it obviously it, it means a cause of great trouble or suffering. So ejaculation, then a, a cause of great trouble and suffering, but I think in a nice way in this this scenario. Well, I I I was looking at that because I was like I I suppose tribulation was a, a word that I always just took it. I guess you know when you know when you understand a word when it's used in context, but then when someone goes, "Hey, what does that word mean?" You go, "You know, I don't actually know," and you have to use it in a sentence to kind of explain what the word means, and it's not really a definition. So we've got this a cause of great trouble or suffering, but Jim, I went a step further and I looked at synonyms. You know, dug out the old uh, online thesaurus and looked at mm-hmm. synonyms for for the word tribulation and. Uh, in my mind, I um, like I can, is the word confliction actually a word like conflict? Be confliction. I don't know if confliction is confliction. Yeah, um, conflicted. Me, 
conflicted. Thank you. Yeah, I I felt like the word tribulation almost gave a sense of conflicted, but we've I've got these synonyms here sitting as heartache, misfortune, grief, misery. But here we go: adversity and affliction. Mm. And I, I do kind of feel like exactly what you were talking about, like the sort of the era of the 90s and the, the macho rock world. Like I felt like the word tribulation actually sits really quite poignant, you know, as the word to sit next to the whole thing and also to close out the, the lyrics. The I, always, I always felt, before I Googled the word, I always felt it meant ejaculation and then tribulation being kind of like anticipation. But okay. it don't mean that. It don't nope. mean that. So, nope. doop, doop, I thought doop. maybe it could mean like a tribute. A tribute? <laughs> All right. I, I thought you were talking about... Um, a tenacious D? Tenacious D, yeah. <laughs> well, I thought we... He's uh, it's, it's no, way like off the mark here this, like, this, 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 this week. There's like <laughs> this, a porn... This there's episode. Like a, there's a porn kink or a porn sort of... Um, is it a fetish? Uh, oh, God, this goes. This is going a bit raunchy. Uh, where if... Uh, if if one is to, uh, you know, you've got a magazine or let's say a photo or a printed out picture of a person um, mm. and then one would ejaculate onto that, that's known as a tribute. Oh, okay. And, um, you know, in uh, sort of kinky circles of like, I don't know if it's like bulletin boards or what, but, you know, like men would take photos of their ejaculate on the... We're gonna. I'm gonna have to make sure I tick the sensor um, button for this episode. Um, men would take a photo of their tribute, and then you know, um, and post that online to the to the person who had taken the photo. Fat income. Yeah, and so I it, it, I did wonder tribulation tribute. Could it be something to do? But no, no, it's not. It's not. But no, no, spicy. <laughs> Thank you for saving that. FNM yeah. fact. Yeah. I did an FNM fact in a while. So Roddy Bottom yeah. mm-hmm. uh, said of Mike Patton, I think we both kind of hated the song to the point where lyrics were needed and he didn't want to write them. So I gave it a go. Is that right? Fuck, it worked out so well. I always, I always felt like uh, Angel Dust is a fairly diverse album, the way you move track to track. But Kindergarten Next to Be Aggressive... Um, there, I feel like there's a bit of similarity, mainly in the delivery of the verses. You know, just yeah, I think the, the continuity is good. Rappy. Yeah, they sit together nicely. Right, should we talk about music? Oh, Furs, why not? Intro, church organ sound. Yep. Uh, always reminded me a bit of like Phantom of the Opera or like a horror soundtrack or something. Yeah, yeah. With the minor key. Yep. Roddy's chance to, to shine. It sounds like he's playing a proper, I know he's not, but it sounds like he's played a proper church. Yeah, organ it's big with the pipes and everything. You yeah, know, yeah. I I chucked my I chucked my what are they Sony XM one thousands or whatever the the bulky noise cancelling boys, and uh, it's got a bit of bottom end in that church organ, like the durr, like it's yeah you, you you sort of miss that when you habitually with your earbuds get mm-hmm, a bit of mm-hmm. get a bit of bass in there and it's boom. You know, well, speaking of bass. Uh, yeah, Suddenly, so. you hear boom, Billy's signature dum, sound. Dum. Yep. Skillful Bill Gold Trill Phil. S- skill, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yes. 
But that twang, well, I, I, do you know what? Another image jumps straight into my head when I hear that string bouncing. It's like it's like a massive knob, like a massive dildo banging off a, um, <laughs> the, the, the bottom string of a bass guitar. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it just dawned on me. I'm really, I'm really glad I'm censoring a word so that this is now content that can be just listened to in the car. Of with course, your kids. Yep, yep. I, I hope maybe maybe just yeah, skip the uh, the tribute part. I don't know. Maybe I should put that in the show notes. Mm. First one, the the song takes an, a huge unexpected turn. Obviously not when you've heard it a gazillion times like we have. And goes from that soundtrack church organ into this 60s, 70s psychedelic booty Collins, dirty funk vibe. Did it. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. like okay. Spencer yeah, yeah, Davis yeah. group yeah. Or, yeah. or Deep Purple or something. Um, I think Bill described it as homoerotic step, Steppenwolf. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, uh, it's, like, it's a Hammond organ, that sound. Yes. That, and, yeah, which uh, we've, heard from, we've heard from Roddy before. Uh, underwater love oh, yeah. perfect perfect crime but yeah, not yeah, yeah. like not, this not used more traditionally not used how it, it, yeah traditionally how it should sound how the hammer yeah. organ you know should be played there you know jumping off the keys you know he's not he's not there's no sustain there it's it's really attacky <laughs> What I really like about it too is that um, when all the music drops in, you've got the the keyboard tone sitting in the left ear, and I'm I'm often talking about the stereo space that you mm-hmm. hear things in the songs, but the the keyboard's living in the left and the guitar's living in the right. And if you listen into what the keyboards are doing uh, against the bass and the rhythm of the music, you've got the which you've got, which is obviously playing in time with the bass because the bass is playing the offbeat. And um, so you got this sort of offbeat thing happening, and you got the keys, and then at the end of each phrase, like and then you just get that, you know, that little at the end of each, at the end of each phrase from the keys, and then the guitar. If you listen in, we'll get to the wah comment in a section in a second. The the guitar. Is doing that don't wow 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 and we always get these great little gym fills at the end of each of those sort of those sections. And it's really nice that if you tune into that, what the Hammond organ's doing, and also those guitar feels they always sort of work together a little bit yeah you know the guitar does a little and then the, the keys just do that the hallelujah organs that's that's the note i wrote just giving you a little sort of stab a little bit of excitement at the end of each of those phrases and that also occurs uh, not just in the intro leading into the first verse, but also throughout the verses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Bill's bass drives the verse. It pushes oh, yeah. the song along. Yep. It's rhythmic. It's really loose. You can imagine those strings just <laughs> flapping off the neck of the guitar. It's such a, like, it's like a romp. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Boom, 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 boom. And it's like, yeah, it's just, it just fits. 
the, it's that real classic bill rhythm sort of yeah. just attack. Uh, and it also really classic sort of build time with like a little bit of overdrive. Like it's a little bit gritty, a little yeah. bit gnarly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, I was talking about the wah. Yeah, you mentioned the oh, wah. So yeah. yeah, adds to the feel of the song totally. You know, it's, it's well placed. And, and Jim never uses wah, does he? I mean... I mean, I'm trying to think of anything before Angel Dust where he used wah. Bro, that's what I was going to say. Oh, sorry, was, I, No, 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 sorry. no. It's good. It's so good. It's We're on the same level. I love this. There's so much synchronicity happening for this one. I had to go back and look through all the other albums prior. Oh, did you? And I feel I did like, do that. Well, I f- feel like I may have mentioned this in our Jim Martin episode. I, you know, it was just it was a quick skim through each song as I'm looking through... We care a lot and introduce yourself and the real thing. And I was just kind of looking there going, I just don't, I don't think there's a wire in that song or that song. Or that's, and I was, I was looking through it and I couldn't. So look, if I've got that wrong, please feel free to write in and tell me where I'm wrong. Um, you know, that could be a housekeeping thing next episode. I go, oh, I forgot that it's in this thing. But for, yeah, to my knowledge, there is no wire in any preceding tune from Faith No More until we arrive at Be Aggressive. And it's on all song. Like he doesn't usually yeah. when a wire is used, it's used as an effect, you know, for a section. You know, it, it may be a fill, but at least just a section. But I mean, motherfucker doesn't. I mean, mother Fruza doesn't turn it off. This comment keeps coming up yeah. on these Angel Dust episodes. You know, it, it, the publicized Jim Martin not liking this album. It's gay disco, or whatever he called it. Yeah, he seems to really get off on this song. He seems to love it. It's there's some bloody good playing on it. Mm, the riffs galore. And there's a real uh, rhythmic, rhythmic approach to it. You know, like it's again, it's that elemental thing that Faith No More are doing. Like everyone's playing their part and there's, you know, a lot more melody, I suppose, coming from the keys. So, mm. you know, aside from these, these fills that we get from the guitar. So everything's sort of working in that synchronicity. But we get, you know, obviously the, the rhythm section of, of Mike Borden and Bill is giving... It's giving a straight a straight ahead kind of this is what the rhythm is, but there's a lot of that rhythm complementation coming from. Well, Bill did Jim. say I gave direction on Be Aggressive. I wrote oh. the song, not the solos. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now I think pretty much that you know what Jim's doing is just one continuous solo. So <laughs> I think we can like, pretty yeah. much say that you know he didn't he didn't really write Jim's guitar for this one. This is all Jim. But I suppose you know like you've got. It is possible for a producer to play, you know, like a role of a director or a songwriter, you know, like I imagine really quick tangent, but like Mike Patton with Phantomus, as an example, would say to Buzz or Lombardo, can you do a thing that goes buggada, 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 and then they yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they yeah, respond yeah, yeah. with that. So I, I understand, you know, like we might get the noodles from Jim that are more his sort of, his, his flavour. The only noodles, Michael. What? <laughs> Carry on. Well, I mean, his his noodles, but then you've got the... <laughs> They're only noodles, Michael. <laughs> it's a line from a film, and I've been dying to say it in like nearly every episode when you've said noodles for guitar noodles. <laughs> and so I've, I've finally got it in there. <laughs> wow. Because it's, it's from my favourite film of all time, and I've been dying to get it in there. But anyway, it's in there now. It's in an episode. Carry on. <laughs> God. You know, but there are, there are strong components that I... You can imagine Bill could direct a good part of it and go, hey, I was thinking you could do this thing. And, you know, wow, 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 w
the guitar sort of locking in with what the bass is doing, like through the uh, if I can segue to the chorus. Well, I just did want to mention, we've mentioned lyrics, but I just wanted to mention Mike Patton's delivery of the lyrics in the verse. So I think here, again, he's got that, he's got his actor's hat on and he's playing a character. You know, Mike Patton, from what we know, doesn't doesn't know what it's like to chug on a cock, but he's playing a character that's been written for him by Roddy. And Mm. you can hear that through the lyrics. Not just the lyrics, though, but the tone of his voice. He kind of, for want of a better word, he, he, he spits the words out with, with passion. But he's got that mm-hmm. kind of game show sarcastic tone to his voice that we uh, yeah, he yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. introduced on Angel Dust and then it matured through the next few albums. And I'm not saying that for one moment that he's he's singing these lyrics with any kind of humour or any, you know, it's not a piss take. It's just he's inhabiting this particular character. I mean, there is there is a sense of humour to the song. Like, there's uh... if I if I go back to that quote from N- Enemy, which I don't actually agree with, because in the Enemy quote, he said a hysterical masterstroke. Now, I don't think the song is hysterical at all, mm-hmm. but there it, 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 it it's a bit tongue in cheek or knob in cheek because <laughs> you know because because Mike Patton's you know he's not gay. Sure. Uh, so he's delivering these these homoerotic lyrics as the mouthpiece of Roddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I'm digging a hole here, so let's move on to the chorus. No, no I dig it because he, it, it, there is something to Patton's delivery. And as you were saying, like he evolved that and he's, uh, did you say like a game show host, like that sort of. Yeah, yeah. It's that kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's almost as if he gets passion out of over-asserting what he's seeing like it's an o like it's a little bit of overacting to a yeah, degree yeah. but then it also just I, I think that's what makes it so his his sort of dropping into a character is what makes a delivery so strong because it sounds this there's an authenticity to it as well yes so uh, right okay i've got one word for you here mate for the chorus to be before we get into it okay ready do you know what the word's gonna be cheerleader the boogadaga <laughs> Yeah, it's it's it. it's it's the only genuine boogadaga on Angel Dust. Do you not agree? I, I I should send you a photo. I actually, when I got to this part, because when I write my notes, I just sort of move through sections and I jump backwards every time I mm-hmm. need to mm-hmm. add to it. And I've and then I get to here and in capitals, I wrote boogadaga chorus. Hundred percent. It's got that aggressive tom rhythm from Mike Bardin. It's got the signature bill gold locking into it and it's it's a boogadagger well well we can dissect because the boogadagger comes in so many forms we've we've yes we've 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 established this this off many times throughout the episodes yeah we all know it comes from uh germany originally (laughs) the boogadagger das boogadagger Das Bulgadaga, yes, that's right, yeah. And, um, you know, we know where it started, we know where it originated, we know how Faith the More developed it and made it their own. Well, in the dissection of this particular chorus, I would would define the Bulgadaga as Bulg, Bulgadag, Bulg, Bulgadag. Bulg, Bulgadag, Bulg, Bulgadag, 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 Bulgadag. That's how I, yeah, Bulgadag, yeah, yeah. 
chorus borrows lines from Sugar Hill Gang's 1983 song, Winner. What? Oh, you drop a sample in, motherfucker. Oh, I shit. I mean, Mother Fruiser, Mother Fruiser. What's going on here? There's more spicy moments. These are the surprises I live for. What? As in another band used Be Aggressive in a, in a chorus? Yeah, before or? Faith them all. Yeah. Yeah. S-U-C-C-E-S-S. What is it spells? It's S-U-C-C-E-S-S. What is it spells? It's You got to be E-S-S-I-V-E Be aggressive Be aggressive Keep the faith Let your mind be free Let your will be your ability to be a winner Make some noise if you think you've got I didn't know this when I first heard the song and maybe up until a few years ago that this chant, the be aggressive, be aggressive, B-E-A-G-G-R-E-S-S-I-V is like yeah. a football chant. It's an American football. It's used, been used at American football games for many years before Faith No More, uh, obviously. Yep. I think it's, it's in the 2000 film Bring It On or something. Oh, I was about to bring that one up. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Oh, wow. Like, totally freak me out. I mean, right on. Well, the tour is sure number, number one. one. Spirit yeah, um, yeah, but it is in the Sugar Hill Gang song "Winner" from 1983, and that and I heard that and I thought, oh, that's where they've got it from. So in Adrian Book's Adrian Book Adrian Books. So in Adrian Hart's book, "The Fantastic Small Victories." I wish he had more than one book because it was a good book. I liked that book. It was a good book. I want Adrian Hart yeah. books. Um, but anyway, he said, according to Gold, the, the cheerleaders were Mike Patton's friends from high school who moved down here, and he recorded them in on Matt Wallace's DAT player in his living room. However, I reached out to Roddy Bottom, and he said that one of the girls in particular is a, still a good friend of his to this day. Uh, I did try and reach out to this particular person. This, 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 this. She'll be a woman now. A friend of friend of Roddy. Mm. Unfortunately, she never got back to me. But if you're listening. If if you know who you are, like yep, cheerleader, cheerleader woman, yeah, love to have cheerleader you on the show. woman, Shout yeah, out. love to have you yeah. on the show. Fifth the more fact <laughs> on Tuesday the twenty second of September nineteen ninety two at Cole Ballroom in Davenport, they got some a cheerleading squad up on stage with them, um, oh, and you can read the full story about that in Vox magazine. I think it's the same Vox magazine that that sweeps Brody's homosexuality under the carpet to be honest and yeah there's a photo out there with the band and these particular girls all dressed in their uh cheerleading gear I, I i've seen that a while ago i think uh, it'd be good to dig that up and not put that on our socials yeah i'm just going for a wee back in a sec all right drink too much water oh. all this talk about willies that's all right i'm just just messaging back my my friend I was just messaging my friend back. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so I've got, I've actually got this section from um, that magazine. Shall I read it out or shall we not bother? Yeah, go on. All right, okay. It's from Vox magazine. It's content. Uh, <clears throat> Consequently, dozens of kids turn up for F&M's soundcheck, including four teenage schoolgirls who break into a spontaneous chorus of one of the songs on their latest LP, Angel Dust, Be Aggressive. They sing, instead of the words that they used to cheer on the football players at their school, go fight, go fight, win. Keyboard player Roddy Bottom, who wrote the song Be Aggressive, is impressed and invites the girls to get up and sing those lines during the show. It's a weird concept, 
Four 15 to 70 year old cheerleaders singing Be Aggressive, while Mike Patton hollers, You're my master and I'll take it on my knees. Over the top. Later, when the band and the four girls in full cheerleader regala perform Be Aggressive during the show, a boy in a Faith No More t shirt is going wild down the front. He owns the most recent of the band's four studio LPs, but has never seen them live before. He doesn't know what Be Aggressive is about, and his jaw drops when he learns that it details a homosexual man giving another man a blowjob. Oh, shit! He exclaims. He (laughs) wonders... He whispers this revelation to his friend. Oh, shit! Comes the reply. It's half a question, (laughs) half a statement. They both look stunned. But does knowing what the song is actually about make a difference? The first boy wrinkles his nose and twists his cap around his head in embarrassment before mumbling, Uh, I guess not. I just can't believe it. It's about that. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you can read that if you've got Vox from Don't December 1992. Jim and I now, acted you it know, out. Me, you mean me and thee. So, uh, anyway, so we're on we're on the chorus. We've we've di- we've diverted a little bit, haven't we, from the chorus? Yeah, but that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Because that's what we that's do. That's okay. Marilyn Manson fact! Did you know that creepy eyebrowless sex pest and all-round piece of shit Marilyn Manlove had a similar chant in Mob Scene of 2003? Yes. Did you just call him Marilyn Manlove? Uh, also, there's a song called "Don't Be Torn" by Jim Guthrie that has uh, that's got the same similar kind of jam in it, and it sounds very F and M. Ooh, I didn't know that one. Don't be torn, don't be torn, don't be torn, don't be torn. Mike's just dropped in samples of those, though. Thanks thanks for the context, future Mike. Having teenage girls sing this bit is absolute genius, and I think it misdirects the casual listener to, to, to make people believe it is a heterosexual song. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I don't think it's so much about, I guess, teenage. It's more to do with the fact it's cheerleaders and the, the, the sentiment of the cheerleader and I can, it also it projects Faith No More's sense of humour a bit as well, doesn't it? Yes, all the things. and it, it's, it, All those things the, that the, I've just said. The, the, clev- the, the cleverness, you know, I guess Roddy's desire to use alternative samples and odd moments throughout the album, it's just another gathering of something to uh, carry the... or carry a moment in a song that's a little less conventional. I do have... i got a note here that I can't read. Oh, right. What, because your handwriting's bad or yeah. because it's too risky? It looks like I wrote ice. What does it look like? Ha- hamery. Hammers. Ha- I would Good have. Point, I, Mike. I swallow hammers. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Cool. Perfect yep. segue into verse two. Okay, yep. we've got these backing vocals in verse two. Yes. You're my flavour. You're my flavour of the week. And again, it's Mike Patton with that kind of. I don't know. I, I don't really want to keep saying game show voice, but it, it's it's just that kind of sarcasm in his voice. That kind of... And I don't think he's he's meaning it to sound sarcastic. It's just... A, it's like an overperformance, like a cabaret scene. Mm, yeah, and it, but it's, it, it works perfectly. Yeah. And bringing those backing vocals, leaving the backing vocals till the second verse works brilliantly as well. Because mm-hmm. obviously we don't have Mike Patton singing on the chorus yet. 
I had to think. Another that, note that, I've yeah. got for verse two is we've got a skillful trill by Buggerdaggedy Bill <laughs> towards yes. the end of the verse. Hang on, I didn't make that note. Where's the? Where's oh the, well. Maybe that's my eye swallow hammers note. That's what that means. Where, where's that? Where's that land? I want to drop in a sample real quick towards the end. Yeah. I'll find it. Here's Bill's Brill Trill Phil. I hope there is one now. Mm. It's not like something you'd miss, is it? No. Right, okay, middle eight. Church organ comes back. And that bass underneath. Oh, man, that building crescendo. Oh, if I hadn't mentioned dicks and cocks enough in this episode, I'm going to mention them again right now. Cocks. Um, yeah, the One intro keys come back. of Bill's best bass slides leading into the solo. I'm sure you've said that for a different Angel Dust song. I don't know. I'm going to venture to say this is his best. Well, one of his best would be the one we get in Woodpecker from Mars, mm-hmm. where we get the dun dun dun, and he goes, like, that's, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Real things littered with it, but that's more a melodic version the bass slide we get before this solo where it just goes doom doom sick yeah just sets man, it up. yeah boom 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 yeah 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 <laughs> it's like it's like two ams sliding down a, a lubricated erect penis in it boom boom like that it's funny that you said you were going to talk about Dick some more because I just I was going to say there's almost a phallic movement yeah. to that. Oh, totally. Yeah, I get that. Like the the neck of his bass. Jerk boom, the boom. Neck of, doom, doom. Oh yeah. yeah, just two two. Or like quick cocking strokes. a shotgun. Yeah. It, well, that's 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 the setup. That's the vibe. Tick, it's like a dick chick chick boom solo. Yeah, Mike Patton's real thing. Nasal voice comes back for a bit here. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Don't yeah. really hear that on Angel Dust a lot. Yeah, so it's, it's a little it's yep. Mike Patton with a cold, with a heavy head cold. And it's also um good little harmony. Good little harmony mm-hmm. work. Do you know you know me, you know me, you know how I I'm old old ranty haze well. over here. Yep. On Mikey Two Laptops banner ranty haze. Waffly. Waffle Waffle Man. The Waffle Boy. I actually, I'm I'm not the speediest of guitarists when it comes to solos of this kind of style, so I can't dissect as much as I would love to. But also, just to save everyone probably about ten to fifteen minutes of their life, I also can't. But it sounds improvised to me. Yeah, to a degree. I mean, it, it just moves. Yeah, yeah. There's almost like three movements. It's a long solo. It, it sounds like he left. Like it's like a, a one take job. It sounds like the mistakes that you left that that were made were left in. Yeah, it's 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 loose. It's not it's it's not a conventional Jim solo. I would say you know no. we we often compliment his solos and how they they're often so melodic and they seem to draw something original from the song uh, and they you know they tell their own story to some degree or whatever. But this is just 
shall we just say balls to the wall? Mm. Just, yeah. just shredding. Wah, shredding. It's never really sat well with me, is the lack of rhythm guitar. It, it sounds a bit like a bit of an empty space there. But that's why we get those samples that just sound like running quickly down the Hammond organ when you just go, wow. We get that. But it wow. just, it, I don't know. It just, it's it always, wow. always never sat quite right with me, didn't that solo part? It always just felt a bit like it needed beefing up a bit. And that's such a traditional 90s thing, especially to be doing. I mean, 80s as well. You know, you've got to, you got to fill the space out. You know, like, I mean, 60s, 70s recording, if the guitarist moves to doing a solo, you don't necessarily fill the space with anything yeah, true, because true. there's this yeah. uh, sentiment of, Li- liveness like how can the guitarist be playing rhythm if he's playing a solo whereas music recording evolved to the point that it's mm. just like ah oh, because we just put a rhythm that's that's there, really that's living your made. art though isn't it that's really getting balls deep in the um the art of the thing in the in the um imitation of the sound the imitation of the sound imitating that that 70s 60s oh, yeah, 70s okay oh yeah kind of vibe yep. do you know what okay. i mean yeah yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. but it does have a th- Fucking great ending. There's a solo when he's playing. Like, is, is he playing chords? And he's like, down, down, down. Yeah, it's uh, yes. It builds to a really awesome ending. I always dig that exactly what you just said. It could do with some beefing up, and I know what you mean. I always dig when a band is willing to not fill fill it because they think it needs it. Like, I, I do like mm. that sort of. I personally like that sort of thinning out because it's more true to a live performance. You know, like a band like oh. Pantera. I used to love Pantera's solos because Dimebag often would do these weird and wonderful solos and it was just Rex's bass, you know, doing most of the work. Oh, and, you know, sometimes they did fill it in with rhythm if it needed, but a lot of times they didn't. Do you know I'm going to compare the solo now to masturbation? Well, I mean, stay, yeah. You've got the solo going on, you know, the frantic solo, and you're going for it, you're going for it, and then you've got the... To the, to the climax. And then you've just spunked all over your bedroom wall. Dig it. I hear the spunk on the bedroom wall for sure. Yeah, yeah. can you smell oh, it? Can you taste it? I, I, I just said wah. I th- you can... So when, when a wah does a wow, wow thing, you know, that someone's rocking their foot backward and forward and you can cock a wah like there is a term when you cock the wah yeah 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 i just, know what you mean yeah. you position it in one spot and you don't rock it anymore so it just gives it this sort of spike in the frequency so i made a note here that i wrote range master solo and there's a particular pedal uh jimmy page led zeppelin best known for the range master or you know there's a lot of uh it's it's like a tone where it's like this huge treble boost, and I th- I think I think a range master works where it kills the bottom end of a guitar's tone and just shoots a lot of um shoots. Let's just stay on theme here. A lot of uh you know more higher mids and high mids in the tone. He could have been using a range master, or I think it's likely that he's kept the wah turned on, but he set it at the right sort of spot, so it just has that almost piercing tone to it. So, yeah, it may not be that he's playing a wah through the solo there, but it does sound, I'm, I'm guessing, I reckon he's, he's cocked the wah. Cocked it. Cocked. There's lots of, lots of, yeah, lots of phallicism going through this episode. 
Oh, by the way, uh, oh, yeah, I was talking about the left and right, the left and right positionings. Mm-hmm. When we get to the when we get to the the middle section uh, before and then the solo solo, just straight down the center, just poof, straight ahead. Guitar moves out of that space of the right. It's in the center now, and then it moves back to the right for our. For, yeah. Oh, and we've got the aggressive, aggressive. Yeah, we got. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's yeah. good, good yeah. stacked harmony sort of thing, you know, where they sing together three voices. They pattern, pattern one, two, and three. Yep. And then we're on to the third chorus. And the great thing I like about this chorus, we've, we've spoke about the lyrics, is the ejaculation, ejaculation, tribulation. Get that? It comes back in with another one of those uh, cool backing vocals. Yeah. And then he swallows, he swallows, he swallows, and he swallows for a fourth time. Oof. Before we go into the final chorus. Hey, Jim. Yeah. You know, um, there's a really important thing in narration and storytelling that you want to keep forward momentum. Um, and it reminds me of a time where I was listening to Be Aggressive mm. uh, and I was actually at the solo section <laughs> of the song. Oh, right. And, I uh, remember that. Yeah. You might you, – you, look, you may recall old Waffle Pants Hayes over here was talking about the end of Kindergarten. And I was talking about the the bass roll off of a guitar amp and how we get that sort of real chunky guitar tone um, when he's doing that, uh, when Jim's playing the outro solo under the third verse of Kindergarten. Would you say he was noodling in that part? It was, yeah, there there were some noodles in that as well. They're only noodles, Michael. (laughs) And uh, there's something that I just love that just captures for a moment a live feeling to this with with the end of that guitar solo because i was thinking about this um the the end of the guitar so wow 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 and there's just a bit of a gap for a second bit of a pause before borden brings it back in with a boom you know uh there's a there's an air gap there and you hear the guitars finish playing and you just hear the space of the guitar like the room almost like the room that it's recorded in and it just sort of brings a little bit of for me, it's like an authenticity, like it brings a, an aliveness and a rawness back to the music for a second. Because it's, Angel Dust is so dense, it's so dense and so layered, and there's so much happening. Mm-hmm. And then we just get that pause at the end of the guitar, like, wow, wow, and you just get that echo just for a moment. And it just, it's just like these are real musicians playing real instruments in real spaces, you know, and you just you get a little bit of room. Future Mike, drop that sample. <laughs> Thanks, Future Mike. Thanks, Future Mike. Love that on the show. So, I think actually, I prefer Future, Future Mike, Mike to you. Future Mike's going to be on next episode. Is he? <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Was he on last episode? Uh, no, that was that was past Mike. Yeah, he's 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 very messy. I often I love this shot. Yeah, mm. I often complain about him when I wake up in the morning. So we've just spoke about verse three. We've yeah, after I finished remembering that moment in the guitar solo. Yep. And I love the, uh, I love the. Yeah, final, final, there was a bit of a weird, awkward silence there. <laughs> final chorus. Uh, so Mike Patton gets to sing over a chorus. Yes. And he sings, aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. And then he goes, he sings, um, 
Um, you got to be. Is that right? Is that got right? Got to Word? be. Yeah. yeah and then. Like yep. And then he sings something. You I have no me. idea what he's singing. Yeah. What is that? What is he singing? I don't know, man. I want to. I have listened to it and listened to it and listened to it. And I cannot, for the bejesus in me, figure out what that man is saying at that point in the song. If you know, if you're out there and you've listened to it more times than me, Huh. And you know what Mike Patton is saying at that point. Please do write in. In fact, just write in anyway and just tell us what you think he's saying. Because I can't even pick out a word from it. I think in our little Faith No More friends group, someone said something like, I'm cheery or something like that. Yeah, I was thinking about it before listening to it. And I thought, does he say, you don't hear me? And then I listened, it's like, he definitely doesn't say, you don't hear me. And then... It's almost like maybe he's performing that section and they're making they're mocking him from the studio room and he says, You can't jeer me. Like, don't jeer nope. me, man. You can't jeer me. That's not it. It's not it's, it's not what he's saying. You can, you can't you can you can you can beer me. He's asking for a beer in the studio as he's performing and he's yelling to the studio guys. Don't like, put someone, that thing near me. Maybe. You don't cheer. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, it, I feel like the word cheer does make sense. Yep, unless somebody knows more than us about Faith No More, which I, I can't think of anybody that does, then nobody's ever going to know that. It's going to be one of those unsolved mysteries that go hand in hand with the album Angel Dust. It's so plainly audible, too. It's not like it's buried or really. What's that? You hear patterns, eh? It's like it's there. So then you get to, like, the go, fight, go, fight, go, fight. And I love that. I love that little ending. Little giggle. The giggle, yeah. I love all that. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. And it it flows perfectly into the next song, which we're not going to talk about this episode. That's another episode. That's that's for future Mike. Maybe next episode. Yeah, that's. I think that's possibly my favourite ending of a song on Angel Dust. I just love it. You can hear. I think you can even hear like a mic or the drumsticks. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. There's just like a real live feel to that end bit. In fact, there's a whole live feel to the whole song, incorporating what you've just said earlier as well. When I nodded off. Yeah, something about a solo. Somewhere. Well, and the, you know that's 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 the sentiment. It's the um, and the, mm-hmm. what a perfect segue into live <gasps> appearances of this. Oh yeah, you see what I did there. I'm getting good at this. I'm getting good Dude, at this podcasting malarkey. Yes, after because- 31 episodes, we, we, I finally know what a podcast <laughs> is. We're, we're getting we're getting a little bit better each time, Jim. But the fact that we've just explained it and made a big deal out of it makes us. Not really. No. Do, you, do you know when we're doing this, do you actually imagine that we're talking to people or do you just think we're talking to each other? When we're doing, when we're, when we're in flow state, you know, yeah. is that a Malcolm Gladwell term? Malcolm Gladwell said flow state. When we're in, a, when we're in flow, it's just you and me, bro. Yeah, that, that's what I think. Yeah. You know, the, and I look at the stats and how people, many people listen to this podcast. I realize it's Those just me, you and creepy Rodrigo. <laughs> <laughs> 
and Mandy Sintas, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> so there's like four of us in it now. Um, oh, and don't forget, Mr. John. Oh, yeah. oh, I did have to say, I forgot. We obviously record this whole podcast in one flowing session. We don't do it in sections. Yeah. Um, I'm going, if we rewind all the way back to the beginning of the episode, when Sue Denham recorded that email and had a few scathing things to say about poor old Mr. John. I mean, Mr. John's got a broken He's got a leg broken right now. arm. He's got a broken arm. What did you <laughs> say? Broken leg. Are you broken leg. <laughs> Let me look yeah. at it. Oh, you've got a broken arm right now. Yeah, yeah. So let me just go to up, Mr. John. You know, let's chat. send. Let's 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 dig him out of his little pit that he's in and just pat him on the head and say, you know, we love you, Mr. John. Dude, he's got a sling. He took a photo of himself with a sling around his neck and around his wrist. He did. You're right. He did. Yeah. 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 With a broken leg. He'd be the first to agree it's a broken leg. So we're doing a competition of how did Mr. John break his arm. I'm going to sit with this for just a little bit. I'm going to come mm. up with, because it wouldn't have been a conventional thing. No, no, it would have been a really odd. Not Mr. John. No. No, no he would He would have been, like, the, there's, there's layers to how his arm ended up. Broken. Maybe he's just sprained his wrist from listening to this episode. Possibly. I can imagine that people are going to listen to this episode and crack one out. Yeah. Anyway, according to Faith No More's gig database, it's the 10th most played song of all time with 271 appearances being played on every single Faith No More tour. But it was played more in 1995 than it was in 1992 and 1993. Sorry, can you just say those numbers again of how many times and statistically... Oh, do I have to? Just, just listen just back the, to the it. the total how many times. No, because I want to be out of Oh, 271. 271. And then, and then it's like, is it ranked like the third most played song or fourth, tenth, tenth most, most played, played song? Right. Shall I just read that whole no, 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 co- no, that section no, again? Because right. there's going to be someone else. Of all time. There's going to be someone else who just listened to that and just went, oh, thanks for going back over that, Mike, because I, I, I did miss what Jim said there. But uh, Thanks, past I, Mike. I, <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> the tenth. I'm surprised it's the tenth. I would have actually picked higher up. Oh. Okay. You know, when we were talking, um, you know, and I, I really, really, really hope uh, we do get to see Faith No More live again and, um, you know, we see some shows that, you know, are able to be, you know, able to go ahead. Uh, I reckon it would be pretty awesome to open a set with Be Aggressive. Band walks out. Mm-hmm. Band walks out like Roddy... Roddy just walks out that little bit ahead of everyone else and just starts with the keyboards. Lights come up, you know, on the doom, boom, like, poof, you know, opens up, down, 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 and then it's like it's you know the lights are up and everyone's jumping and just before he starts seeing Patton does that running out thing that he does. So you know sometimes he walks out for reunite or something, comes walking out for the start and just start a show would be aggressive. Well it is a bit of a fan favourite, isn't it? Oh I have to say. And in nineteen ninety five when they played it the most, uh it was song number two. Digging the grave was was usually their set opener and then straight into be aggressive. Which is a good start for a set, I have to say. Which one did you say he started? Digging the grave. Digging the grave. Do you ever do you ever listen to anything I say? Yeah, but what happens is as well is that I'm just double checking where I'm at with my notes to try and keep this momentum going. Oh and then, right, okay. And so I hear the the important part of saying they start with this thing and go in to be aggressive, and then I'm like, oh, I didn't hear the yeah, detail. Yeah. yeah, my girlfriend complains about me not listening, so it is you know, it's a consistent uh, right. Yeah, so that's all I've got to say on live. Have you got anything to add to live? <laughs> do I? Oh. Do I? Oh, let me pull out page number two here. 
Oh. Okay. No, I don't have that much. Don't worry. When Faith No More reunited from 2009 and performed their shows, I don't like Roddy's keyboard tone for the church organ. No, uh, uh, yeah, feel you, bro. It's a little uninspired, and I feel like for the fact that, especially in Faith No More's early career and for the evolution of at least up to Angel Dust, Roddy was putting in some pretty sterling effort to just dig up interesting sounds and I just feel like it was a little bit lazy of him to just use mm. that, what I think is just the, maybe he's just using the Hammond organ sound through the whole song and he just plays a Hammond organ as the intro and the interlude. And I just, mm-hmm. uh, I've mm-hmm. mentioned it before, but it always deserves to mention the Bizarre Fest Live 97. Patton does 97. In, 97. Patton does Inhale Scream. Excellent Inhale Scream. I've mentioned I've, I've played a sample before, but I'm going to do it again because it's so good in the build-up. Uh, before the I Swallow, before the solo. Mm-hmm. Patton does his... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. But it's like, a, it's a good one. It's in the same uh, rhythm to like the go fight, go fight thing, but he's just doing a breathy thing and a screamy thing and it's... Uh, it's it's good. Uh, I have always enjoyed the 95 live versions. I feel like Dean Mentor played the entire thing without a wah. Just, just straight ahead guitar. And he always had that grungier tone that we've talked about. You know, it's like a looser guitar sound. But I've, I've always enjoyed the way Dean played it. It wasn't as precise. Uh, it had a completely different flavor to the way Jim plays it. But... I, you know, I feel like no one ever played it like Jim, but I like the way Dean did it. You know, it's funny that they settled into it in 95 and played them all. Yeah. So I do like... 95 versions of Be Aggressive. I don't like that they cut the solo short. Like a, like a spoiled spoil little I brat. I don't man. like... <laughs> don't, don't like that you cut the solo It's short. not fair. Ever since John Hudson rubbish. joined the band, they cut the solo short. The solo doesn't go for as long. I don't like it as much. I'd prefer it if they okay. played the full length of the solo. Yeah, John could have got a little bit looser on that. He could have gone, you know, just... Loosey-goosey. Yeah. Yeah, he often just plays the same thing. You said that, you said that last episode, Lucy, Loosey-goosey. You thought it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. You, la- you laughed at your own comment. <laughs> no, nobody laughed with you. Oh, uh, classic past bike. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I also... Uh, there's a the Live in Roskilde. Of course, I didn't write the date down, but I'll just drop in a sample. Uh, live in Roskilde. I think it was 92. Could have been 93, but it was around that era. Uh, they open... 93. They, they, thank you. They introduce the song with Patton actually saying... This one's about swallowing cum! yeah! That's a bit fun. And... Uh, bit close to the bone. Jumping around a bit here. For a period, and I think it was around 95, Patton would often sing, What's yours is yours and mine is mine, that's plain to see. And it's just like, Patton, it's an important line. It completely makes... 
Like, it doesn't make, mean the same thing anymore. You've got to say what's yours is mine and mine is mine. You know? So I kind of, you know, he did start fixing that in the later oh. shows. Uh, and the uh, Somebody get Mike Patton on the phone. Please do. Love to have you on the show, Mike uh, Patton. Past Mike Patton from 1993. What era Patton would be the best to interview? Oh, 95. Yeah? Because I, I think, it, I think yeah, because I think in 1992, he was a bit of, it, it wouldn't have been fun to interview him because he was a bit of a, a dick when he was the press. Yeah. I think in, yeah, I think in 95, he'd, he'd, he'd made his peace with the press and knew that he had to do interviews occasionally. And I think he's a bit more, even the 95 or 97, I think he's a bit more tolerant of the press and a bit, bit easier to talk to. He was a bit more relaxed. He's still like got a bit yeah. of humour to it. He sort of sometimes just throws throws things out. Yeah, yeah. Or I would even say just now, I've really, the, the recent interviews with Patton have been fantastic. He seems a lot more sincere. And I, I, I'd, I'd say if, you, if you're talking now, I'd, I'd rewind the clock a little bit back to maybe... I think I think he did an interview. Uh, oh, sorry, he was interviewed by that dude from Dillinger Escape Plan, and that was a great little interview. Oh, the Ben Wyman interview. Yeah, that was a good one. I'm going to say 2013 because he had the uh, camouflage shirt on and the flat cap, which he wore on like the t- kind of tomahawk, yep, odd fellows kind of era. Did you know? DEP fact. I've got to do a bit different to you. DEP stands for Dillinger Escape Plan. That interview is not online anymore. Oh, is it now? No. But if mm-hmm. there might be a reason they took that down, but it was uh, our good mate, Andy Bowie, creator of FNMLive.com, online archive of the most complete and accurate listing of Faith No More's concert dates and set lists. Andrew Bowie, Bowie, Bowie. Bowie. He, uh, he checked the, you know, the online music archive site that you can go through when it takes like snapshots yeah, yeah, of yeah, the yeah, internet yeah. over, you know, it's like past internet. Thanks, past internet. And uh, Game Changer. Well, that was his words, actually. Game changer. Uh, it's it. You can you can do a little sneaky and find it there. Okay. Through the online music. And I've, look, I've one, got, one final I, I, thing. Look, one stop, final waffle, thing. Waffle one, boy. One, one, waffle one, boy. Waffle boy. Waffle boy. I got it. Just only one. It's one more thing. Boy. Patton loves to muck around with lyrics, like he mucks up the intro lyrics. But the right at the end of the song, when he says ejaculation, you'd think. You'd think when you're performing a song, especially when it's got a word like ejaculation, that you would uh, draw attention to it or overperform it or just just something, you know, like this is – it's kind of the – lyrically, it's kind of the, the arc of the song, right? Is that, that's fair to say. It's the arc. The word ejaculation, it's kind of – it's the big reveal, like just in case you were wondering, yes, that's what we're talking about. Spunk in mouth. Yeah. Because, yeah, yes. Never, never drew attention to the word ejaculation when he was performing this. He always just sang it like any other. You'd think a 24-year-old 24, 24 boy on stage. I mean, let's face it, he, he always had a more mature approach by that point on stage than, you know, he quite manly. That's silly. I wouldn't say that. But you, you, you get my point. You're a 24-year-old person that has the opportunity to perform the word ejaculation. You'd put some pizzazz into that. There's no pizzazz. Just just pass it off as like it's any other lyric. I always thought that was interesting. Listen to this. Do 
Do you know what that is? That's the arc of this episode. That's my eyeball. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, if I press my eyeball and it makes that sound, it proper freaks out my wife. I love it. She don't like me doing it. I love it. Right. Anyway, that's all I've got to say on Be Aggressive. Me too. Be Aggressive BJ Dojo is now open. Come to Brazil and get down on the floor, get sweaty with other men, grapple naked, grab his third leg and bust his nut, learn how to handle another man's maypole and plum tree shaker, learn shaft wrestling and Johnson jabbing with your mentors Dick Pecker, Dong Wang and Rob Walnuts. New music. What you got? So I'm going to start off with the Kings of Quarantine. Which are a band that features Jason Rockman, who actually wants to be a guest on this show. He sent me a private message and said that he loves the show and he wants to be a guest. Oh, sick. Um, Is that the Slaves on Dope, dude? Yes, that's he's from Slaves on Dope. And the Kings of Quarantine are a band he put together. Uh, Bill Gould has played bass on one of their cover songs so far, which was, was it Public Enemy? Yeah. Catman. Didn't Mike Borden play on that one too? Yes, he did. He did. did, did. Hey, he did. On. That's the first time we've seen Mike Borden play in years, isn't it? And we anyway, look like they're in the same they've room. They've released a new, new cover of the song Just Another Victim from the Judgment Night soundtrack, Helmet and House of Pain. And it's pretty cool, actually. Great. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the originals are fucking awesome. Um, but it's, it's a pretty cool cover of it. So if you haven't heard it, get out there. And, and check that out. These Kings of Quarantine videos, like, they actually dig up some pretty cool sort of, what you call it, underground? Like, just more cult following kind of... I wouldn't say Just Another Victim's a hugely popular song choice, but it's a good choice. Yeah, and also, Jason Rockman wears a Faith No More t-shirt in the video. Let's see. Legend. Right. Well, shout out, Jason Rockman. Love to have you on the show. Yeah, hell yeah. Oh, by the way, and I also... I was going to reach out to him and say... Can I do? Can I do a lockdown? Well, not it's not a lockdown video, but can I? Can I do one of your videos with you? Can I play some guitar and join you? So there's there's a, well, there's a, all he has to do is check there. out ABC and see what musical skill you've got. Oh, don't worry, Jim. I'm getting to my new music. Oh, yeah. fuck. Right. Okay. My second bit of new music is my old mate Joel Graham. Is in a band called Evile. I mentioned him a couple of episodes ago. They've just released a new album called Hell Unleashed. And it's pretty cool. Yeah, check it out. Bit of thrash metal for you. And it sounds nothing like that. Oh, okay. Have you got new music to be talking about apart from ABC? Give me a second. I want to talk about Marissa Nadler. All right, Marissa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, you know Marissa. Marissa Nadler. Are you talking about Marissa Nadler, the American musician and fine artist based in Boston, Boston, Massachusetts? Massachusetts. Yeah. Well, look, I first discovered her only a year or two ago. She had a song called For My Crimes. Um, I'm just off for a piss. Carry on talking. I can't do that. You know I I've can't do that. I've drunk too much water tonight. Why do you do I'll this? I'll catch up. I'll listen to you. I'll listen to you rap. And he's going to be back soon. be a nice surprise oh, for me it. when I listen back to episode... Listening to your uh, review of Marissa's Nads. Marissa's Nads. Carry on. Yeah, well, and, you know, and as I was saying, that she's uh, she's got this new single. She obviously has an album on the way, uh, but she's got a new single called Couldn't Have Done the Killing. Now, 
I have talked before about my favourite podcast. Doesn't exist anymore, but it's called the UBK Happy Fun Time Hour. And UBK Happy Fun Time Hour has a host named Gregory Scott. He authors plugins for Cush Audio. They're excellent. That UBK Happy Fun Time Hour is all about audio engineering. He's amazing. He's got a band with his partner. Uh, and that's called Sneaky Little Devil. Sneaky Little Devil is really great for cool sort of psychedelic, um, chill, really awesome production because he's an audio engineer. Uh, and I want to draw that parallel in mentioning Sneaky Little Devil because this couldn't have done the killing. The production on it and the vibe and the mood of the song is impeccable. I lo- like. I am envious I want to make music that sounds like that, but my voice instead of hers. It's okay. great. Uh, and then talking about my voice, you know, I've made it a little bit of a meme to be plugging my band every episode, and, you know, like, I'm kind of done. So if anyone was kind of getting sick of it and going, yeah, Mike, we know you've got a band and it actually sucks, we've done another song that sucks. It's called Space, but it was a lockdown video. It's a, you know, it's, I actually, it's ridiculous to plug your I own don't, song. I don't like your new song. There you go. <laughs> it's funny to plug your own music and go, oh, it's not our best. Honestly, uh, it's the first song I've ever fully recorded, mixed, and engineered you can and tell. put out. Thanks. <laughs> you, you know... It's funny, you know. There are little things about it, like there are little there are little moments in it where I listen back and I go, "Ooh, could probably do with fixing that." And I really, I could easily, within a couple of hours, dig up the files and just it's not a patch on it. happy sex slide. Super fun happy slide. Yeah, look, F sex, um, sex slide. That we just, but I, the reason why I'm just mentioning it is because if anyone actually was curiously um, interested, we did we did do a stupid lockdown video to it. So if you do jump on YouTube and just watch the it's video, stupid as well. Um, we did a dumb video, and you see my dumb face and my dumb room that I'm recording in right now. So, so I watched a cool documentary, yes, about Nirvana and the UK. Oh yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's celebrating the 30th anniversary of, of Nevermind or whatever, which is one of my favorite albums. I have to say, I know might it might be. Not cool to say that you like Nirvana or you like Nevermind, but it's fucking such an amazing album. And uh, yeah, and there's one line that's stuck in my head that Dave Grohl says, and he says, I'm still processing Kurt Cobain's death and Mm. I have to explain it to my kids. Mm. Imagine that. Dave Grohl has been in two of the biggest rock, in inverted commas, bands of all time. You got Nirvana and them Crooked Vultures, right? Yeah. And and he's got to explain the death of a cultural icon to his kids because it was his dad's mate. That's proper. When you think about that sentence, it's proper profound. Yeah. Anyway, sure. it's a great documentary. Have you got the name of the documentary? Because I, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't find the name of that documentary. Oh, so. great, great, great plug there. No, you can't talk about Nirvana and say it's uncool. Without letting me say my piece. <laughs> oh, sorry, go on. I love Nirvana. Nirvana are great. If you if you can't at least just acknowledge right, that Kurt Cobain is definitely one of the greatest songwriters of all time, then you're a tool because he wrote amazing melodies and guitar parts and music and songs. His songwriting was impeccable. Hey, 
I ain't done that enough this episode. Hey, I sat down and watched The Queen's Gambit. Have you seen that? Uh, yeah, yes, I'm <laughs> mixing up shows. Yes, I've watched that. I love it. It was great. Great show. It was awesome. Yep. That was awesome. So if you haven't watched The Queen's Gambit, if you wouldn't like me and you, you're kind of flicking through Netflix and you think, do I really want to watch? Do I really want to invest? Because there's like eight episodes or something. Do I really want to invest eight hours of my life in this? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do invest it yeah. in The Queen's Gambit because it's really good. Yeah, really it was good. Really well really directed, really well filmed, really well scripted, mm-hmm. really well acted. Yep. Yeah, loved it. Good. And uh, that's all my new music stroke, new TV stroke, Nirvana documentaries for this episode. Well, it's fun that you've decided to add new things into the new music section because so have I, Jim. I was going to mention... Have you tried a new brand of heroin? Look, I mean, I don't want to reveal what day this is and I know that it's night time and I'm drinking I'm on the tinnies, right? But the... Uh... <laughs> continuity uh just to reveal well just to give it whatever day this is released just to reveal how freaking long i take to edit each episode after you've done your impeccable editing and then give it to me to chuck my bullshit into last night was the uh dodgers giants game five now if you haven't watched game five by the time this episode's come out then you know i don't think this is a spoiler but dude i've lightly followed the baseball all season giants were leading the whole way there's always been a dodgers and giants rivalry i grew up loving baseball dodgers was my team as a kid but then later growing up and you know faith no more mike board and mike Patton are both baseball fans both giants fans i thought you know what i'm i'm aligning myself with the giants because you know i don't have an affiliation with any city in the u.s so i was, I was following the giants they were like they were gearing up to win the World Series and they still had to win the National League against the Braves. But, and then they would have had to beat the, on the other, it doesn't matter, whoever gets through on the American League side. But they were, they were on track and I watched it last night expecting to see a Giants triumph and the fucking Dodgers won. And I was personally, you know, there was this little bit going on in my mind that Mike Patton's, you know, They've cancelled shows. His mental health hasn't been great. And, you know, we don't know but understand, would imagine he's getting the help that he needs or he's doing what he needs to do right now. In my mind, Mike Borden and Mike Patton are watching the Giants approaching victory and there was just this emotional, sentimental part of me, both fucking... Baseball is the one game that I really love watching and... I was watching the Giants and just there was just this little attachment like do it do it for the mics Mike Hayes Mike Borden Mike Patton like and they lost last night That's not a thing That's not a thing you're not the mics the the three of you Yeah the three mics You're not a thing it's not a thing (laughs) No it's definitely not a thing no it isn't don't make it a thing but it's i was weird i was so gearing up to have my new music thing and i was going to get this episode out and say follow the baseball because we're gonna see giants moving into the and we're not and so that's my uneventful new music i'm devastated and my other new thing my other new thing um it, look if anyone's in sydney and wants it look we don't we don't take any patreon we don't take any payments to do this podcast i cheekily plug my band every now and again but if anyone's in sydney or australia and wants to like ship me some beer 
um, I want to plug. I'm, I'm doing like a pay it forward plugs. If anyone knows someone at Acacia Brewery in Five Dock, I'm going to be there next Friday actually uh, for the first time. Going with my dad, having beers with dad at Acacia Brewery. Oh, how is that? If you can get your head, yeah, he's, he's well, finally. Dude, I haven't <laughs> seen him in like over three months because of lockdown. I miss him. I'm going to yeah. get a big dad hug. But the Acacia do an XPA. And it's just borders on a little bit sour. Like, do you like your sour beers? I'm a, I'm a beer loser, like a beer, I guess a beer snob. I like my craft beers. But I look, I used to be really into my IPAs and double IPAs and New England IPAs and all of that stuff. And I went for real hoppy boys and really strong and whatever. And I've just, just found that I was getting like really cloudy and drunk when I was drinking beer, which is what happens when you drink beer. But I've sort of started venturing into more like the XPA world. And the Canada Bay XPA from Acacia Brewery, if you spot that anywhere, if you can get your hands on that, it's got a little bit of a sour vibe to it. It's actually a pretty Mike, easy drink. I do have a life away from this podcast, you know. No, I'm, I'm paying it forward. Pay it forward plugs. You know, I'm, I, Acacia, love to have you on the show. Send me some beer. Your you could have just said best. that. They have the best. You, ju- you literally could have just no, said that. There's, there's three beer drinkers listening to this episode genuinely writing down Canada Bay XPA from Acacia. That's A-K-A-S-H-A Brewery from Five Dock, Australia. And I'll be there next Friday. Can I do, can I, can I do this now? Fifth number <laughs> Motherfucker. Okay, the Faith No More news. Obviously, there's not a great deal going on. However, did Faith No More did did Faith announce no More did. that they will be playing Grass Pop Festival next year, the Metal Meeting Festival. That was a ray of sunshine on my day seeing that announcement. I thought the fact that there's still yeah, which is pretty dates. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're still booking dates, seventeenth of June two thousand twenty-two. I filled my heart. and it's good news that they're thinking to the future. And to be booking gigs in, Mike must be on the mend. On the flip side of that, um, the empty space that's been created by Faith No More not touring in September and October has been filled by Man On Man. They've got a shitload of gigs coming up across America, San Francisco, Long Beach, Los Angeles, Portland, Seattle, Oakland, Los Angeles, uh, Baltimore, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, Providence, Portsmouth, uh, Cambridge, and Portland. Roddy Bottom did a bit of a Q&A thing on his Instagram. Yeah, saw that. And a question that got asked on numerous occasions, and I asked it as well, is are uh, Man on Man going to be touring outside America, um, specifically the UK, obviously, because that's where I live. <laughs> oh, uh, and he did say yes, so hopefully that's something to look forward to next year, I would have thought. And one final thing, Faith the More News, Bill did two podcasts has done two podcasts recently. One was a second appearance on Protonic Reversal, I think it's called a Proton Reversal, uh, which is a really good chat with Bill. And the other one's on Summit Mimic. I've not written it down in my notes, but I'm pretty sure if you go type in Mimic and Bill Gold, you'll find it easily enough. And work's been really busy, so I haven't been updating Faith No More followers, so you can't find it on there. Um, but just, just search for the thing. I mean, what the fuck am I, your mother? Do you know what I mean? Just go fucking look for it. Bill's done two podcasts and they're both really good. All right? Yeah, sure. And that's the end of Faith the More News. <laughs> no. 
I got a little shout out to the Faith No More community. There has been just, you know, and you, I reckon you get this. You know, we've talked about it a little bit. But the announcement of the tour cancellations, you know, Patton's statement around his mental health and then obviously the statement issued by the band that they, you know, they support their brother, their family, you know, they support his decision to do what he needs to do as the, what, as the statement was written. Uh, but then, you know, like uh, we didn't read it out, but Ben Brown had written to Bill Gould. Ben Brown! <laughs> Florida man, Ben Brown. He's written in again, Ben Brown. He wrote to Bill. Stop fucking writing in, Ben Brown. Because no, every time you write in, I've got to sing this. Right, but what, he yeah, uh, he wrote to Bill Gould and CC Podcast Croissant, and he suggested Jesus Christ, shut up. <laughs> he wrote to he wrote to Bill Gould and he CC'd uh, Podcast Croissant, and he said to Bill, "Hey, I'd be happy to forfeit my uh, ticket for the show, uh, and you know, and have it go to the crew, you know." And we saw crew support go out once before and um i can't imagine the logistical nightmare that that would be or the administrative nightmare to try and funnel that if people chose to do that but what i what i am seeing echo when you you get a little bit of douchebaggery or self-entitled people going oh i can't get my ticket money back because the festival won't let you signed you tick the t's and c's box you agreed that when a band cancels and they put another band in it doesn't mean that oh you can complain sometimes you know but but what you get a couple of douchebags but I have got to say ninety five percent of the community is you know and I think it's I think it's the douchebags aren't part of the community I think a hundred percent of the Faith No More community have been just really uh, empathetic compassionate about this whole situation uh, with the band's cancellations and I um I want to acknowledge that I think that's uh, yeah I think that just echoes out the sentiment of be excellent to each other you know so yeah faith no more community i love you and i love you nice one, mother fruisers yeah you just ignored that i told you you're dodging the fact i said i, I can't return your love i'm afraid no. uh, not after that last 8 bc song yeah i was gonna say not after well look after you tell me you don't like my song i'm happy to Look, I'm happy to close out the episode here. Next episode's going. Are we just should we just continue for the moment with um, with Angel Dust series? Well, we ain't got we, we ain't got any other ideas, have yeah. we? So yeah, let's just do Small Victory next. I'm really <laughs> looking forward to doing Sol, Sol Invictus, but let's finish Angel Dust series first because that would be a real yeah, confusing we, 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 yeah, thing yeah, to do. Yeah, so we're yeah. going yeah, for a small be, victory. So 2021 has been the year of Angel Dust on podcast croissant. Send us your a small victory emails. Yeah, do that. Oh, this empty pit I've got to feed to proof I'm fit, a healthy man I've got to be. Jim, it's not the order we do things. Malnutrition. You've been listening to Podcast Croissant. This is Mike. And this is Jim. And you're the master and I'll take it on my knees. Ejaculation. (laughs) Tribulation. I swallow. I swallow. I swallow. I swallow. I swallow. I swallow. swallow.